Hello and welcome to episode 73 of Round and Tail Podcast. I'm Jason. And I'm Hobbit. And this is our second of two E3 2014 episodes, our marathon sprint of double episodes in 48 hours. If you didn't listen yet, be sure to check out episode 72 of the podcast as we talk about um, everything Wii U, all the digital event, all the Wii U announcements Nintendo made. And this episode, which we're calling a smashing E3 2014, is dedicated to everything else. So we have, Yes. So we have... Quite. <laughs> Indeed. Yes, indubitably. So we have Super Smash Brothers for you and 3DS impressions coming up here at the top of the show. We went to Smash Fest. We have our thoughts on the event on the both versions of the game. Um, we got to play as multiple characters. It's, it's a fun time. I went twice. That's how... That's how dedicated this guy is. Over ten hours in line. Yeah, we were in line for six hours today. Oh, my God. Or we were there for six hours today. I know. And I... we played for a whopping ten minutes. <laughs> yeah, and I was over there maybe four or five hours on Wednesday. But at least you got but... two pins out of it. Yeah. But yeah, besides, besides Smash Bros, though, we have a lot of other stuff to cover this episode. All of Nintendo's 3DS announcements, we're going to break them down and give our thoughts. Um... Third-party news, interview tidbits from Nintendo about some, you know, like some, some new updates on Wii U games we talked about last episode, plus um, a couple indie announcements, and I think that's about it, but it's, it's got to be a big one. Second half of E3 coverage, um, so I guess we should jump right in with Smash Fest. We already started talking about it. Might as well keep going. So, uh, for those who don't know, Nintendo stormed Best Buy, and I use that term very loosely. They did not do any storming, really. Uh, they went to Best Buy on Wednesday and Saturday and had Smash Bros. playable at a lone, single Wii U kiosk. Do you think they're done from last year? Yeah, last year when they did this, they had one kiosk and they had four games. Mario Kart, uh, Donkey, Kong Donkey Kong Country, Wind Waker HD, and, and Mario Wii. 3D World. Yeah. yeah, and the problem was it was four games, one demo unit. And there was a line of hundreds of people. And they had incentives, you know, to come out. They had, like, flags, Mario Kart flags they were giving away, Luigi coins, all sorts of stuff. This year... They kept the one kiosk. They removed the incentives, except for these kind of cheap Smash Bros. pins. Buttons. Buttons. And they and they are going to give a gold coin if you pre-ordered on the day of Smash... You know, if you pre-ordered at any of the Smash Fest locations, either version of the game, you get a gold coin. But that was kind of it. So they had one kiosk and probably double the line, double the number of people, because Smash Bros. is that big. The event itself, yeah. I wasn't that impressed with, to be honest. The game, on the other hand, I liked. I mean, you were there twice. Well, you Wednesday, kinda, how did Wednesday compare to Saturday in terms of crowd? Is it equally ridiculous that you had to wait that long for that little playtime? Uh, it looked as equally ridiculous, but I think the only reason I wasn't, I didn't have to wait as long to play was mm-hmm. just because it was a Wednesday and people right. had school slash work. Yeah, so I couldn't go. I'd work. So, yeah. Yeah. Because, yeah, yeah Saturday, like, we got there at 9 a.m. It started at noon. We left at about 3.30. Yeah, and where we started at 9, it wasn't that much further up from where I started on Wednesday. I mean, yeah. it was more ahead, but... And you got yeah. to play for four minutes on Wednesday, but we only got to play the Wii two version, minutes. a two-minute match. Yeah. But still, two, the thing with Smash Bros. is you really get a sense of how the game feels, even in just those two minutes. You don't know the nuances, but you get a sense of how is this compared to Brawl versus Melee in terms of like speed, weight, the way everything like flows. Like You can get a sense pretty easily of what it's like. So. Well, I think kind of. I mean... Overall. I mean, overarching sense, yeah. not, like, specific. Like, for example, one thing I noticed with the Wii U version in those couple minutes, um, the characters have a lot more, like, heft to the Everything is more, like, heft, I guess. Like, I don't know, or I don't want to say they're heavy, but things fall faster. It's definitely not, like, as floaty in general. Now, I know it could be, like, oh, well, some characters float more than others, sure, but just watching the invitation on Tuesday when we were there and seeing it now, to me at least, it seems like everyone hit the ground faster than in the past. It's, that's just something I noticed. It just seems like there's a lot more, like, it has the, it's like the, 
speed kind of with Brawl. So it's not as fast paced as Melee, it's kind of Brawl speed, but with like weight that's a little closer to Melee than the Brawl. No. At least that's, that's, that's my take. I don't know. I mean, it, I, sounds like, it seems like you disagree based on your I, expression. Yeah, just because um, when, when we were watching the Invitational, like, you could tell like, when people are like, hitting down, and most of the time people were hitting down to get down to the ground faster. And when you hit down, like, you obviously go a lot faster. So I don't know if, like, I don't know, like, I feel like getting the weight down would be something that we would have to, I guess we won't, we, we won't get the good feel of it until we play. I guess the better way I should word it is, to me at least, what I got the impression of, and this was noticeable in the invitation. Because Rosalina looked, like, super, like, lighter than Samus was in Brawl. True. So, like, I don't know, it's, like, it varies per character. Even just, like, I mean, like, on Wednesday, I played as Bowser, and this time as Little Mac, and they both felt way differently. Like, I guess the thing I was getting at is it didn't seem like in Brawl there were so many times that you'd be like falling through the air and someone else when you'd have like a, literally a whole like battle in the air as you're coming back down. See, but then I did not see that as But much. then like Link and Ganondorf were also like really heavy in Brawl. Like they would fall down really fast. But I mean we've seen a huge selection of characters between Invitational and now. So I just oh. can't help but like I just get the feeling like Rosalina sure she's the exception but a lot of it felt a lot more just on the ground. It seemed like there was less aerial combat but... Maybe that's just me. Like, even with the villager. Like, I was playing his villager in, Wii, in the Wii U version, and his down B actually didn't really speed him up coming back down to the ground at all. I don't even know what his down B was. I, I can't remember, but it's just, like, a thing. <laughs> but, but uh, yeah, I don't know. That was just my initial take, was it just felt a little heavier. I will say, though, but clearly we disagree on that, which shows that, you know, it is a little hard for a game, like, for any game, when you only demo for a few minutes to really get a true sense of how it is. But... Well, I did notice immediately, and I think you can probably agree, is when you're playing it in person, the game looks really good in motion, the Wii U version. Like, there's little things you didn't notice in, like, when we saw it at the Invitational on that giant washed-out screen on stage, there's little things that you notice now, like, the shadowing on characters, or, like, yeah, honestly, the, the like, color palette, like, actually being, like, a uh, gradient, opposed to just, like, one color. Yeah, but, um, I don't know, I don't know what it is about Smash Brothers in general, but, um, like, just to give you, like... Uh, a point of comparison like yeah. when I'm watching someone play Mario Kart 8 or when I'm playing Mario Kart 8 it still looks like just as amazing when I'm playing it as it, as it does when I'm watching it but for I guess Smash Brothers 4 when I'm playing it I don't know it felt like it didn't really feel that much different than Brawl like I guess just cause like the characters are just moving faster I'm just like not paying as much attention to the background Yeah. but it just didn't really feel that impressive but then when I'm watching it like, and not playing, like, it looks, like, way better. See, that's exactly what happened with me. Like, when I was playing for those couple minutes, I was like, oh, yeah, it's Brawl, whatever. But then I didn't notice, like, the shadows on the characters or the, like, gradient of color on, like, Starfy, for example, the assist trophy of Starfy. Yeah. I, uh, that's when I really noticed on where it, in, the, in Brawl, she, she, he, I don't know what Starfy is. I think it's a he. was just yellow, like, one shade of yellow. But in this one, it, there's definitely, like, a shadow. And you only really notice it when you're watching other people play and you're not, like, in the heat of the battle. Yeah. Which, unlike, you're right, unlike Mario Kart, Mario Kart, even when you're playing, like, wow, this asphalt looks insanely good. Brawl, you're like, yeah, that's cool, but I'm too busy, you know, um, launching someone off the stage at full speed. Yeah, because, I mean, for the most part, I mean, you're just staring at your character yeah. and just, like, fix it on your character. So, the characters we did get playing in the Wii U version, for me, I only got to play as Villager. And I actually really like Villager. I don't know, how, in terms of, like, his strength or whatever, that's, you know, who knows how he'll pan out in the yeah, hierarchy. Yeah, we, we, we wouldn't be able to tell you that yeah. like, from the time that we played, especially but, because we don't know, like, how good or bad the people we played were. Yeah, exactly. But I, I won both times, though, so I don't know. Yeah, you won both times. It doesn't really say much about the... But you're, good, but you're good at it. No, yeah, yeah, but that's like... I mean, yeah. But what I was going to say about Villager is his moveset's just downright silly. Like, it's great. So his upbeat's a balloon fight 
balloon thing, and that kind of launches you in the, back in the air. See, there's another one, though. Like, his up B, you know, up B is usually recovery. This kind of fits what I was saying about, at least from what I saw and what I played, it seems like it's more grounded, like, literally on the ground. His up B did not seem to go as high in the air as, like, Diddy's, for example, would. Yeah, but everyone's is different, though. Like, Donkey I know, Kong doesn't take you high at all. His is a horizontal recovery. Like, people, True. there were, like, horizontal versus vertical recoveries in Brawl 2. True. True. His could just be a yeah. horizontal one. I mean, but with balloons, you'd think he'd go kind of high. Well, I don't know the logic. One interesting thing, though, is you can pop the balloons. I got my balloons popped when I was trying to go up a couple times. Oh. So that's kind of a neat touch. But his, I think my favorite move, though, was his side B, which he hops on a gyroid and just plows through opponents. Yeah. And if you you have to actually like hop on the gyroid. Like, you have to hit the stick in the direction of it. Otherwise, it'll just go like a foot and then fall to the ground because it has no pilot. Yeah. Also, his smash is an umbrella. His an umbrella. His smash attack? Or one of his smashes, I think. Yeah, one oh. of his side A's, he whips out an umbrella. Um, mm. You know how, like, Kirby has the rapid fire yeah. punches? is his. Uh, yeah, that's... I mean, there's not much to say based on the couple minutes we played in terms of the, how Villager plays, but you played as both Little Mac, who has that unique KO uh, attack, and you played as Bowser for comparison against the other smashes, because that's your go-to. How yeah. do you, you think those guys play? Yeah, I played... Um, like right before I played the Wii one, I also played as Bowser in the in the Smash Run thing, just because I right. like, oh, it's Bowser. Like, I want to know how much he changed. So, like, I got used to the controls and and we'll get to the full 3D version. I mean, version. In, in the Smash Run. Yeah. Then when I played the Wii one, like that's where like I don't know it, it was kind of easy to play as him. I don't know. He definitely feels faster just because he actually has like a running animation. Maybe it's just he just feels faster even if he isn't. Yeah. But they actually give him a running stance and everything, which is kind of nice. But um. I don't know, it's still, he still felt like, yeah, it just felt like a modified Brawl, like, he still moved, I feel like, as fast as Brawl, mm-hmm. but, um, like, there were just things that I couldn't do anymore that I could do in Brawl, like, in this one, um, whenever you get hit off, like, really hard, before you could, um, dodge in the air or attack in the air to, like, slow down your momentum, yeah. but in this one, like, they didn't let you do that until, like, it, the game, like, until you literally stop moving, so I guess, like, they're just trying to reduce, like, I guess, people recovering faster. Sure. And also his, like, up B didn't seem as, um, I guess as overpowered as it did in Brawl. Like, in Brawl, you could pretty much stop almost any attack with his spin attack. Yeah. And this one, it just kind of, it traps people in it more than it does just send people off. But his down B, though, man, that thing kills really easily. <laughs> or maybe just people were just going under me a lot, but, I don't know, it was really cool to use. Right. Little Mac, though, he was kind of the opposite. He was just really fast, but, um... I don't know, I tried using his um his KO punch like three times and that thing is so hard. Well I guess it's because it was a free for all, but it's really hard to use. Just because like if you get hit by anything, um you lose it. And then there was it's one like a mo- final smash in that regard. Yeah, and then if I Speaking of which, sorry to interrupt, oh. I totally wasted my final smash. I got final smash as builder. I was really excited to see what exactly happens with the three nook kid nooklings or whatever they're called. And then I wasted it. And everyone booed me and I was oh. so ashamed. And I cried on the whole drive home. Sorry, but you were saying. What was I saying? You were talking about uh, Lil Max, how hard it is to do the KO. Oh, yeah, like, yeah. If you get hit by anything, you lose it, so I lost it once. And then another time, I don't even know what happened, I had it, but then I didn't have it. <laughs> so I'm like, wait. You sure you didn't try it by accident? No, I definitely, because I was like, I know you have to press B to use it. Yeah. So maybe if you attack with anything else, or if you, I don't know what happened, I just lost it, so... I don't know. I guess it's not as overpowered as I thought it was going to be. Yeah, I mean, Sakurai made that point that when you land the punch, it'll be satisfying. When they first announced it, that when you land the punch, it'll certainly be satisfying and do a lot of damage. But oh, yeah, landing I, the punch is part of the challenge. Yeah, I mean, I've seen people land the punch and it just, like, zooms in on Little yeah. Mac and it does that little sound effect in slow-mo, so it'll definitely yeah. feel satisfying. Yeah. 
I mean, yeah, I'm, we saw it in the tournament. I wonder if they'll do something along that line for. I mean, assuming Captain Falcon comes back, like for the Falcon punch, like if you land it, it will do like that satisfying, right? Little slow mo. And then probably um, not because it won't be a yeah. separate like meter like KO punches. And then like the only other thing to note of note of Little Mac was um his charge attack, which I guess is like his other like really powerful punch that you hold it down, he starts mm-hmm. charging up, he goes all like not quite electrically charged, but there's like sure. some static going on there. And it just like charges forward and punches. That thing is so like I don't know, just it just felt like it took forever to charge. And he just glows so much, like I feel like how like there is no way like you can like not there's no way you can't avoid this, especially because when you're charging you're pretty much stuck there. Right. Like you just jump or jump around me and there's nothing you can do to get hit. And when, when you and then when he releases it, there's a really long cooldown period. Like I didn't think it was gonna be that long just based on the videos, but mm-hmm. it really was. But luckily, because it's a free-for-all, when everyone's attacking each other, I was able to pull it off like once or twice and kill someone with it. But, no, it's a little Mac. It's fast and strong. Those yeah. sound effects on his punches make all his attacks feel really strong. Right, right Even right. if they're not like... They have quite people. a slap. <laughs> yeah, it just sounds like... Poof, yeah. The, uh, it's worth knowing, I mean, we kind of alluded to it when I said about how Starfy was in the battle. Uh, items were on the whole time, which obviously skews how things go a little. Like, it's hard to assess exactly how a character performs when every time you do an attack you get whacked by a home run bat or a, yeah. or a star pee or I whatever. thought the blue shell. That's something you can't say often. Yeah, I, yeah. I saw that, actually. Yeah, we had the blue shell as well, which was like because someone, I don't know who was someone, like, next to us was like, hey, that's from Mario Kart! It's like, yeah, it, yep, <laughs> that, that's right. Uh, Better than the Smash Invitational, where they're like, oh, they got the Mario zapping thing. Oh, God. The announcers are in the Invitational, yeah. The zappy thing. He lost so much credibility when he said that. But So that, so that was the Wii U version, but we also got to try... Now, the thing I noticed most, actually, just watching the two, is the Wii U version and the 3DS version are very different in how they play in some ways, and also very similar. But one thing that seemed universal between them, besides the fact that the characters are the same, is how the characters handle like, watching Mega Man in the Wii U version and then playing as Mega Man in the 3DS version Smash Run, like, it was pretty much identical, to me at least. The one thing about um, the 3DS version that's worth noting is it controls a little weirdly simply because there's no Smash stick. You have no C stick, you have no right analog stick. To do Smashes, you have to do it the old school way of really fast slide pad slide plus hang the A button at the exact moment. So that, that takes a little getting used to. But I was actually really pleasantly surprised with um, the 3DS version of Smash Bros. Quite frankly, I did not expect much at all. Like, I was like, oh, of course I'm going to get it. It's Smash Bros. I'm all buying every Smash Bros. So I knew I was going to buy it. But when I played it, I was like, oh, wow, this looks way better than the screenshots. It, uh, like, it actually looked really good. Um, the Smash Run was pretty fun. And even the controls, well, yes, you know, you have to really hit those smashes. And even to run, you have to, like, double tap the circle pad. Because there's no, like, it has like, no analog. It's like Kirby no... controls, basically. Yeah, but once you adapt to that, it's it's pretty fun. It's it's different, but it's fun. Like, Smash Mode, Smash Mo, or Smash Run, I mean, really felt like, uh, it felt like a mix of Subspace, em- Subspace Emissary from Brawl and the old Adventure Mode from Melee. Like, they took the kind of bigger maps of Subspace Emissary, where you kind of explore things, but then you don't really, like, you don't have to keep going and going and going through all these levels. It's just like one open world that you explore, and it's where it's more like an adventure. Where it's just like you do it, and then you go fight. So you explore it. You collect power-ups. Whenever you kill an enemy or whatever, all these little like icons appear where they were that represent different attacks, different abilities, different franchises, things. You know, like speed and this and that and next thing, or this weapon or that attack. And then you get them on the touch screen, 
And you can then use those attacks on a touchscreen in addition to your standard button controls for, you know, side smashes and upbeats and whatnot. And then you use those in, like, you use those in tandem together to fight more enemies, get more power-ups, boost your stats, and then, after that, to do a brawl against the three other people who were also doing a smash run. For demo purposes, it was computer-controlled. But yeah. I can see it being really fun with friends, where you're all, like, trying to, like, you know, you figure out, for example... Let's say you really like having strong attacks, but you sometimes don't mind. You know, you're like going after the attack power-ups more than like defense or speed or something. Then I might try and get something to counter that. It can, it can get strategic. I mean, there's, there's a random element as well, as well, since it's obviously whoever you defeat, is they give you what they give you. But you can kind of build your character if you know what type of enemies spit out what type of items. You know, once the game's out, we'll be able to figure those things out. Yeah. But I thought Smash Run was actually really fun. That's a good like little item that you put on the bottom you could tap on. Yeah, yeah, I mentioned that. But, but um, I don't know. I, th- I think I still it's not Smash Bros. No, no, I, I still feel the same about Smash Run. I mean, it was fun for what it is, but I can't really see myself playing it. Because it's like, yeah. why would I play this when I could just play regular well, Smash Bros. That's, that's the thing that I think you and a lot of other people who have been critical of Smash Run are kind of neglecting is don't think of it as oh, why would I play this versus normal Smash Bros? Think of it as, like, why am I choosing to play Mario Kart Battle Mode versus a Mario Kart Race? Both of them, you're driving around. Both of them, you're, you know, dealing with opponents and shooting items at them. But the way you go about doing it and the results of it are different. Now, I get your point. Well, right? fine. You prefer normal Smash over Smash Run. Yeah, cool. well, I mean, fine. But if I never put it this way, then. I guess, like, if we're if I'm, if I'm the way I play Smash Bros. usually involves turning items off and reducing the luck factor as much as possible, then yeah. why would I want to play a mode that... Yeah. Just throws even more random factors into it. Yeah. So I I I, I yeah. get your point. Yeah. So um, I mean, like, like it's cool, like that it's in there for like to give people other options that just want to play it, but it's just it's, it's just like yeah, it might as well like not have been offset in my case, like kind of thing. Right for you personally. Yeah. yeah. For me personally. And it and it is very clear the more that Nintendo has been showing Smash at E3 and at these uh, Smash Fests and whatnot, this is the like unique selling point of the 3DS mode. Sure, they did announce that like Home Run Derby is back and everything. But this is like the, the 3DS custom mode. mode that if you want, like if you want something unique in each version, this is what the 3DS version offers you. That's unique. So I wonder what the Wii U one will have. I mean, uh, they, the they, they could literally uh, put anything. But yeah, exactly. The fact that's on Wii U is enough. The fact that's the console version is enough. They needed something to differentiate the 3DS version, not just make it look like a dumbed down version. Hmm. But it was kind of interesting though. So after I did the the uh, the run, we did it twice. We both tag-teamed it, so we both played as two different characters. So Yoshi and Mega Man. Yoshi's fast now, first of all. Like, well, noticeably faster. Well, it's hard to talk about. By the time we got the Yoshi, he could have already gotten a lot of speed manipulators. Oh, possibly. No, his speed stats weren't that high when it showed me the stats before Power. Oh. But at least it seemed of it. I mean, he, he was super fast. One thing of note is his... Uh, you specifically wanted to check me, have me check this when I was battling as him. Um, his up B... When you throw an egg, it still is a mini recovery of sorts. It boosts you up as well. Yeah. Just like in the old games. But the egg throw itself is a lot quicker. And it has a rainbow. It has a rainbow. Yeah. But so we played as, as Yoshi, and then we played as Mega Man. Mega Man, it was weird. Playing sub, uh, I keep saying subspace. Playing sp- Smash Run as Mega Man literally felt, also in part because of the, like, the way that Mega Man walks versus runs, depending on how you hit the stick, it really felt like an old Game Boy Mega Man game. Just kind of 3D-ified and with Kremlings for no apparent reason. Oh. Like, I don't know if you noticed that as much, but when I was playing, I'm like, I really feel like I'm playing Mega Man. Like, the way you, like, double jump, the way he shoots to the side when he's jumped. Like, everything just felt Mega Man. Just yeah. a little less linear. Man, the only thing that kind of, um, I don't want to say annoyed me about Mega Man, but I guess just felt really weak was, um, I guess usually, like, 
Yeah, kind of thing. Like I kind of felt like I would like playing a Mega Man game, and yeah. usually when you're playing a Mega Man game, you always want to have like a charged Mega Buster. Oh, you couldn't charge. Yeah, yeah. but that's like there's like no like. Like, there were some bad guys that usually that don't die with one, like, weak hit. You have yeah. to hit them with a really strong attack. And with Mega Man's, like, smash attack, if you just, like, use it, like, without charging it, it's, like, a really tiny little blaster that doesn't really do anything. So you kind of have to, like, really charge it to actually shoot out this blast. So it just kind of felt like, like, oh, man, I have to yeah, stop I and charge. And, I noticed that, too. I, I, I can't remember. And it can't move when I do anything, so I have to let go. And... Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned that because I completely forgot about it. But, yeah, I was trying to charge it at first, too, and he came to a complete standstill, and there were, like, three crumblings around me, and I was like... Yeah, this isn't gonna work. <laughs> but uh, once we once we did go through Smash Bros, we then got play on the newly announced Super Mario Brothers Two Gold Rush stage or whatever they're calling it, which is kind of cool. When you get a hundred coins on the stage, your character turns gold and gets enhanced stats. So that's that's kind of neat touch. Yeah. Um, and there's like a coin counter in the corner and everything to make you know make it easier. Yeah, and like, everyone has like their own screen, I guess. Like, yeah, yeah, it works. They're really leveraging the fact that everyone does have their own screen. Like Smash Bros wouldn't be possible on Wii U. Unless it's one person on the gamepad, everyone else, like, oh, split man. screen. I mean, it is possible, it's just a little harder. Um, but, yeah, stuff like the Gold Rush mode. And you played the Nintendog stage as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, which, it seemed like it was very reminiscent of Picto Chat. Yeah. Like, there was blocks that were Just, like, shapes. flat terrain. Pretty big, flat terrain. And then it just, like, starts... The stuff starts yeah. building on it, much like in Picto Chat, where it's drawn in. Yeah. And the Nintendogs are totally unrelated. They're just in the background running amok. Yeah, which also reminded me, like, because it was an essay that you... Asking like, oh, you had the 3D on because we, we right. turned the 3D on kind of right. late, and I mean, it, it's it's just there. Yeah, it's one of those games where it's just there. It's not like um, it's not like they're playing with depth too much. Yeah, I suspect a lot. Uh, I suspect that I suspect that a lot of 3DS games going forward are going to be very like, oh yeah, we have 3D, but whatever, because the 2DS Nintendo's been pushing it hard. I mean, mm-hmm. they did a whole tour. They're doing a whole tour this summer called the Play Nintendo Tour. Seeing a bunch of different models. It was here in LA. We're actually going to have an extra up about on the site, like photos and coverage of the event, probably between now and the next episode. I just need to get around to doing it. But um, yeah, it was all 2DS exclusively. They had Wii U, they had a Mario Kart 8 tournament, but there were no 3DSs to be found. It was all 2DSs. Well, so they're really pushing that hard. So I bet we're going to see more games that don't really emphasize 3D. I guess just the eShop people, because um, Moon had really good 3D. Yeah, no, I'm sure Nintendo oh, yeah, still yeah. do 3D, but there's not going to be any defining features. Although now that I say that, I'm going to totally contradict myself, because there's one game that did, which we'll get to when we're done talking about Smash, which is Codename Steam. Uh, that does seem to use the 3D somewhat. But mm. but unless there, well, were, was there anything else about Smash? Maybe we just transition right into 3DS mm. games. I mean, it was fun. I'm, ha- I'm very excited notice, for both. I have a noticeably long um, wait time between the end of the match and... When it actually told you who won, like it almost yeah, feel, the load times like it almost feels like it froze. Actually, the load times in the 3DS version were pretty bad too. When you get from the screen telling you, uh, "All right, here's your custom stats for the battle after Smash on to the battle," there's like a good 12, 15 second wait. Now, I w- which is weird for a cartridge. I will say these are obviously pre-release builds; they're still in development. You know, one uh, the games have crashed occasionally. Not when we were there today, but I've heard reports of that. So. You know, the load times will probably be a whole lot better. We had the same issue with Donkey Kong Country Tropical Freeze last year at the E3 event, where it, it took like 45 seconds to load. Yeah. Which obviously the final game didn't. So so I wouldn't be too concerned about that. But yeah, overall, I'm still glad. Like, I know I was kind of down now about how the event was held. But I'm still very glad Nintendo's giving people a chance to go play Smash Bros. at, you know, a store near them. And actually, like, take it yeah, in. Yeah, thank you, Nintendo, for putting out one demo kiosk. Yeah, and- never- Really, like, randomly spread out Best Buy so people could wait, like, five hours just to play. Hey, for them, Instead of putting out, like, a demo that you could just use once. 
For them, it's great marketing because there's these huge crowds that are forming with these huge lines, and they can have the press show up, and they can make it like a big thing. Like, look, there's hundred. I mean, do you know? Do you remember how many people when we were standing in line? Like, oh, what are you in line for? And it was like Smash Bros. Maybe a yeah. third of them understood what that was, but the fact of the matter is, all of them went, "Oh, this thing is a big deal, whatever it is." I mean, the line literally. No, I know. Well, I mean, yeah, like I, I, I never read someone. I, I, yeah, I, I couldn't understand like why they did it. It makes perfect sense because, like, yeah. yeah, all those people wouldn't have known that, that this game is that big if it wasn't for that, but. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it just, I hope at some point they put out a demo just like for those people that didn't. I'm pretty sure we'll get to play it when we go to Comic-Con next month with, hey, teaser, teaser for future Ram Nintendo coverage. We're going back to Comic-Con in July and we're going to have all sorts of great coverage of Nintendo down there. But that's coming in a month, so I don't want to mention it now. Assuming they show up, they probably will. Oh, they will. They're already confirmed, I think. Really? Yeah, they, they go to all the big expos now. Wow. I think they're confirmed. I don't know. I'll check after this podcast. But, uh, yeah, overall, them. though, Smash is really fun. Yeah, 3DS one has some weird like control adjustments you have to make, and yeah, we didn't get to play as much of the Wii one as we like, but still, you know, Nintendo they they approached the situation correctly. The games seem great. It's just a matter of you know owning them when they come out in half a rainy month. Yeah, because I mean I don't know when it comes down to Smash Brothers, like doesn't really matter like what kind of changes they make. I'm yeah. sure sure like most of us or a lot of people will just go with it and just adapt because I mean yeah. like except lo- the competitive scene those guys are some of them are already up in arms that they didn't bring back wave dashing and things oh, like see, that see well I don't know I, I think that's kind of I don't know why they expected well, them to well no I definitely don't want to say dumb because it's not dumb because they have their own reasons but yeah. um I don't know I, it's just I don't know I, I get what you mean I know you're it's just like it. a different game I mean like Brawl could be just as competitive in Melee but just in different aspects just because you play the games differently kind of like how like Street Fighter Three is different from Street Fighter Four. Sure, yeah. Like they both kind of played the same. If you know how to do it, Hadouken and Wink could do one and the other, but you play them way differently. Right. I think it's the same thing with Bra and Melly. And someone in line, um, I was talking to them, and they were pointing out how the Melly people were saying how like, oh, Bra's too, it's like too easy of a game, or like they were like saying that the people that are good in Melly are better than people that are good at Bra. But um, the, but they're different skills. I know. Yeah, that's like, <laughs> but um, in that Smash, in the Smash Invitational. The guy that won the tournament was a more of a professional brawl player than a yeah. melee player. Although and a lot of people were unhappy with that one. Yeah, just reading the comments on like YouTube. But but it, but if anything, it almost seems like just if like oh, okay, so would you expect like the brawl person won the game that's similar, more similar to brawl right. than someone that was won similar to melee? Yeah, because I think the takeaway that we could both agree on is if anything, the new Smash Bros is more of a modified brawl than a oh. version back to melee. Yeah. It definitely feels more Brawl-ish. Like, when I was saying, oh, it's used heavier one, that's in relation to Brawl, specifically. Like it felt yeah. more like Brawl, I mean, for sure. Yeah, I mean, no matter what, someone's going to think this one, like, oh, Brawl's going to be better than this one, then they're going to be Brawl purists and the Melee purists. Yeah. But I'm just going to, I mean, the Gigi, I'm just going to abandon Brawl and just go to this one. Yeah, that's accept, yeah, accept the changes and just be like, okay, so this is what I have to learn now. One purist that will never have to worry is the GameCube controller purist. Because <laughs> every single version of the game supports GameCube, and it seems like that will continue into... Into the three, hmm. the, into the future. So. Does that mean you can use the GameCube controller on the 3DS? Okay. No, 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 no. For um, Smash Bros. 64 and Virtual Console. That's a good question. You should try it sometime. Hmm. I don't think so. But, I don't think so either. But yeah, but so that so that's Smash Bros. in a nutshell. Um, more than a nutshell. That's a very long nutshell, actually. That's almost half an hour of a nutshell. Uh, but there was a lot of other news at E3 that, of course, we're going to bring to you. So. Um, Last episode, as I mentioned at the top of the show, they focused a lot on the we focused on the digital event, and Nintendo's digital event really focused on Wii U. It had some 3DS news, but it was very light on 3DS news. So we're kind of following their lead, 
And much like they did, they started off with Wii U and then moved to 3DS, and we started off with Wii U in Episode 72, and now we're at 3DS, because they did announce a number of upcoming 3DS games scheduled for both this year and next, um, right after the digital event, and in the days that followed. So, um, I mean, they did, one thing I should say is Smash Bros. is obviously a big focus for 3DS. We talked about it last episode, we talked about it now. Only news that really came out that we haven't mentioned is October. Third is the release date. We mentioned it last episode, but just for those of you who aren't keeping track, October third is only like three months, four months from now. So only, only. So go mark your calendars. Put put a little Smash Bros. circle with the lines through it on your calendar, and start the countdown. Uh, but what they did announce is some interesting new. Uh, probably the biggest thing they announced. Uh, they, they dedicated the whole ninety minute mystery 3ds roundtable to it on Wednesday night of E3, and that was codename Kids Steam. Next Door. No. <laughs> Codename Steam, which... Oh, what's it? Evolve Partnership. No. Although it is a partnership. Intelligent Systems, their second part of developing it. So Codename Steam, which stands for... That's smart of them. Strike Team Eliminating the Alien Menace, or something like that. Which I believe one of the Intelligent System uh, developers said, the sound you hear when you hear that name is the English language buckling under its weight, or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> which is a great line. But yeah, so it's called Steam Code... Or Steam Code. Wow. Code name Steam, and it's an entirely new IP from Nintendo. It's uh, it's a strategy game, which makes sense because it is coming from the gurus of the genre at Intelligent Systems. They're the guys behind Advance Wars. They're the guys behind Fire Emblem. They're actually the guys behind Paper Mario as well. But they they know what they're Quite doing. Quite the repertoire. Yeah, they know exactly what they're doing, and uh, it's in many ways it's similar. As in, it's a strategy game. There's a lot of like customization you do to your characters, but it's also very dissimilar in a lot of other ways. Actually, pretty much every other way, now that I think about it. Um, what they're trying to do with Steam, at least what they're saying in the roundtable, is they're trying to like bring strategy games to the masses. You know, to gamers who may not have played a strategy game. Because, yeah, Fire Emblem sold like a quarter of a million in its first month. But that's still niche compared to the gaming population of millions upon millions. So they're trying to figure out a way to bring strategy gaming to those other people who are like, what is this map, and why am I moving around it with an arrow, and I don't understand, and why does everyone look so anime-ish? So they're kind of scrapping all of that. And they're making this entirely new game where you're still moving characters on a map, but it's behind the back, inspired by third-person shooters. Yeah, and what better way like to get the American public to play it than by making it an all-American game? Well, actually, it's set in London. That's the crazy part. But it is inspired a lot by American art styles, American... Well, yeah, like comic books, comic like book. Abraham Lincoln. Yeah, it's... Yeah, it's um, yeah, actually, the art style is really interesting because they're going after the Silver Age of comics. So, like, it has a lot of angular lines, a lot of, like, big, bold outlines. It's, they're trying to mimic, like, Jack Kirby or, like, Bruce Timm or all those comic book artists from that era. And yeah. it, they, they, they kind of nail it. It actually looks a lot like Elite Beat Agents in the end, but they, they, they kind of nail it. Um, and also, then, the, then there's Aliens in it, and those look, are inspired by H.P. Uh, Lovecraft, you know, the, the guy, that sci-fi guy who has led to all sorts of inspirations of alien designs across all sorts of different properties. So that means a lot of, like, bug-like aliens and that sort of thing. So... So what, so what the game actually is, though, is, like I said, it's kind of a third-person strategy game. So you're moving the character yourself. You're, um, you know, it is turn-based, and you move your character for your turn, and then you attack, but the attacking is real-time, and it kind of controls like a third-person shooter. The, uh, the enemies have their own turn, but you can actually attack enemies during their turn, which is like the new standard in strategy games. Where it's not your turn, but you still have the ability to do some damage. So they're keeping all that, like they're doing all that normal strategy stuff in there. And they're also doing things like uh, you have a squad. So it's not just one character, like in a third person shooter where you're walking around as one guy. It's a whole team of people, and you're alternating between each. Each one gets a turn. 
And they're doing this to kind of address the concern that uh, if you're behind the shoulder and not map view like you are for Fire Emblem or Advanced Wars, how you know what other enemies are doing, how you know what's going on on the map. So their logic is, well, if you have four squad members, you can set them up to be in different places on the map and essentially build your own mental map of what's really going on as a whole on the level. Also, if you were in a real war or a real fight where you don't know, you have to rely on the eyes of everyone to figure it out. It's not like you have... I mean, now with drones and satellites, we have it, but in World War II, you didn't have, like, an aerial view of the fight at any one moment. So you pretty much just have to have faith that your teammates are doing what they're doing? Except you control them, so... Yeah, you have a squad of four of you, four heroes, so um, you work, you kind of work them all together. So it's more like Pikmin 3, then? Yeah, except it's turn-based. Yeah. So it's, it's like Advanced Wars, where you get move each unit one by one. Only difference is each one you're controlling in a third-person shooter over the shoulder type of perspective. Yeah. But so I mean it's, not, it's certainly an interesting approach and uh they're also really emphasizing verticality, which is why when we were talking about Smash Bros I said maybe this game will, you know, push three D as more than just oh yeah, it's there. Because uh because it's over the shoulder and whatnot, they're really running with the idea that, you know, you have to look up, you have to look down, you have to look left, you have to look right. So there's all sorts of like tiers of the map. They can't do that as much in the flat overhead maps of Fire Emblem or Advanced Wars. They can have a hill, but it's still flat as far as you're concerned. In this one there can be enemies hiding up high, hiding down low. And you're, some of the moves you can do are like, you know, shoot below you or move below you. And there's like, there's really like pits and whatnot that you have to jump into and that sort of thing. Or not fall into and that sort of thing. So I, th- I think that potentially could add a lot of new strategy that you don't usually see in these sort of games. Because it's not just the spread, it's also the depth. Yeah. But uh, the, the thing you mentioned, though, about how it's all American and how we talked about the... The, um, the character design, that extends into the plot and into just the game's personality as well. Uh, it's set in an 18th century steampunk alternate world of our own, hence codenamed Steam. It, uh, President Lincoln needs to assemble this crack team of international people that know exactly how to stop an incoming alien menace. So he does, and, and he sends them off to London where they fight the aliens, because London seems to be the go-to steampunk capital. I don't know why. So, uh, yeah, that's basically the premise. And then you're... These characters, like, they each have special abilities and whatnot, which then factors back into the whole strategy gameplay thing. So, for example, one of the squad guys is an American, and he liter- he has a primary attack, which is a weapon that is based on his class, as is normal in a strategy game. But then char- uh, players can customize the character's secondary attack. So, in his case, one of his secondaries you can have is a giant metal eagle that, when you pull it out, like, this triumphant America sort of, sort of thing happens. A big flag pops up behind him. It's like, you know, it does, like, a... Freedom is amazing, you know, yay, freedom, sort of thing. And then this eagle, like, shoots out of his, like, a real eagle, like, shoots out of his little metal one or something like that and attacks the enemy, and it's very, like, America. So they're having some fun. It's got to have a sense of humor, mm-hmm. which makes sense when you have a game involving Abraham Lincoln, Aliens, and Steampunk. We like to have fun here. Yeah, exactly. So, um, yeah, I mean, I'm, it sounds cool. It looks cool. On paper, the idea of, like, how they're doing the comic book art style and the steampunk and all that, it it uh it sounds it sounds really good on paper and then they released screenshots right after the round table. And it didn't look quite as good in the screenshots. It looked kinda messy. But then a trailer came out the next day and it looked a lot better. And I think with three D turned on you could actually where it actually separates the layers, it's gonna look really good. But the issue is in the screenshots all the outlines and all the steampunkness kinda of blurred together because it's a lot of like uh you know, a lot of metal coloring and, like, gold and bronze and that sort of thing. And then these random outlines of enemies and foreground all kind of mashing together. But presumably in 3D, they're going to be very clearly set in different planes mm-hmm. and they'll be easy to see. I don't know. I, I, 
I thought the digital analog control looked kind of weird. Yeah, that like, that's something like else the way it moved. Just because it's all layered and golden, it just looks. Yeah, it's it looks like an old like uh, camera booth. You know when they used to take pictures of people, how they used to stand behind the booth and put the curtain over their head. It looks like one of those stretchy things of the camera. I don't know what those are called. Prop the proper name. But yeah, I, I don't know if that's. I think that might just be camera control. I think you move with the stick and then you pivot the camera full three sixty degrees using the touch screen with that giant steampunky looking thing. In fact, one other thing we should mention about steampunk that goes back to the battle system that I just thought of is uh, everything's steam-based. Not just in the sense that, oh yeah, it's powered by steam, but like you're limited in what you can do based on how much uh, steam is left in your boiler. And you can only do so much in a turn before you have to let your boiler refill, which is how they explain why you can only move X amount per turn or do X amount. And as you progress through the game, obviously you'll get new weaponry. And you'll get the ability to hold more steam, and those weapons may require less steam than previous weapons, but be more powerful. You know, all that will factor in. Hmm. So it's such a clever uh, way to kind of explain, like, oh, why you can't move every turn. Yeah. Instead of just saying, like, oh, it's your enemy's turn. All right, I'll sit patiently here while they do. Exactly. Yeah, because yeah, you have to monitor your steam. But and it, it also like because you know if Gears of War just suddenly you're fighting and it's like, hey, take a break. Your chainsaw blade blew, broke. It's like, well, I mean, I guess that's a reason. This is kind of that sort of thing. Like, so it, it could work. Um, but yeah, I, I, I personally, I'm pretty excited. I mean, I love Advanced Wars. Fire Emblem's a ton of fun. Uh, and it's kind of, you know, it's a new twist on all that. Intelligent Systems does really good games, really good work. This is kind of just a different approach to it that I'm, I'm really curious to see what they do, especially because they confirmed single player, obviously, but during the roundtable, they also made this weird tease about online play, not online multiplayer, online play. As they put it, uh, there won't, while there won't be... On, while there won't be online play, like actual play, there will be multiplayer that is online. Which to me sounds like asynchronous multiplayer, which is something that's never really been done in a strategy game. It could be super cool. Steam like, versus aliens. Or... Yeah. Or even just like the idea of like, um, you know how it's like words of friends or something, you take your turn when you want and you just sit back and wait. Imagine like a, some sort of strategy game where it's like, oh, you set everything up, you move all your guys, you shoot whatever... And then whenever it's convenient for your other opponent, they do it, and they just kind of go back and forth, almost like a drawn-out game of tra- chess or something. Hmm. Could be, it could potentially be cool. It could also be a real drag if it drags on for too long. But I'm sure we'll learn more about the multiplayer mode, and we'll learn more about how it's all going to work, and presumably see some actual 3D footage on the eShop at some point, maybe, leading into its 2015 release. But that, in kind of a, kind of a summary, is what Codename Steam was. And Nintendo gave a whole 90-minute presentation about it, so they're drawing their weight behind this one, for sure. This is going to be one of their big 2015 games. Oh, and it's fully voice acted, I should probably mention. So it has high production values. I don't know, what what are your thoughts? I mean, were you ever big? I don't remember. Are you big on, like, Advanced Wars and Fire Emblem? Do you ever play them? You don't really play them, do you? Not on those games in particular, but I do, like, uh, I I don't know. I I like, like, action strategy games or real-time strategy games, but... I don't know, for some reason, Advanced Wars and Fire Emblem just never caught my attention. What about this one? Is the third-person perspective, is it... Is there a goal of, like, this is, um... You know, this is how we're going to entice new players. Is that going to work? Is that something you, mm. that, that spoke to you? Or are you still kind of like, eh? I don't know. It just looks like a game that I'm going to keep an eye on, but I'm not really looking forward to it. Does that make right. sense? Yeah, I mean, honestly, before I even saw screenshots, I was just like, okay, I'm curious because it's intelligence. As soon as I heard intelligence systems, it had my attention. And then once they started yeah. describing it, I'm like, well, this is different. This could be cool. But at the same time, actually, a lot of journalists are saying it's a lot like Valkyrie Chronicles, which is already out. Yeah. But, um... Yeah, at the same time, it's kind of like, I'm cautiously optimistic. If it's too radical or something, like, I might, I don't know. I doubt it'll be super radical, but, but yeah, we, we have plenty of time before 2015. No, um, I feel confident that it's still going to be a good game, but... Um, yeah. yeah, I bet it's just going to be one of their big fall games next year. 
the way they're piv- the way they're positioning it right now makes it sound like it's definitely a major release for them. And and there's one other 3DS game that was announced later in the week of E3 that's also coming in 2015, and it's it's unfortunately getting considerably less attention, but we might as well mention it because it's a big franchise for Nintendo. Little to people don't know, but it is a big franchise, and that's Fossil Fighters. The third entry in Fossil Fighters was announced. It's called Fossil Fighters Frontier. And for those who've never played Fossil Fighters, it's more of a kid-friendly game, like a kid-oriented game. Just from just from what it sounds like, it just sounds like a really awesome idea. Like, whoa, finding dinosaurs! Why don't I yeah. have that already? It's it's literally like Nintendo did their own rip-off of Pokemon, essentially. So how it works? There's been two on the DS, and it's like Pokemon Diet version, Pokemon Light. And basically, like you said, you're collecting and finding dinosaurs. They call them Vivasaurs in the game, um, and you battle them against each other. But you don't catch them in the wild like you do Pokemon. You go hunt down fossils, excavate the fossils with a touchscreen minigame where you have to like brush them and everything very carefully. Do it too much and they'll break. Do it too little and they won't be clean enough. And then you take those fossils, they turn them into vivosaurs, which are like reborn dinosaurs, and then they battle. And that's pretty much all there is to it. So they're keeping that core mechanic, obviously, for the third one. But the new thing they're doing is they're adding, obviously, 3D graphics with the 3D effect, but also um, vehicles. Because apparently how you speak is you literally just walk around and find fossils. So this time they're like, well, hey, we can make a bigger world and let you drive around. So there's mm-hmm. a whole bunch of different buggies. You're driving around. There's a little radar gun. You shoot out the buggy, and that's how you find fossils. The radar gun will it's pin like, back. It's like the exact same thing just... Yeah, it totally is. It's just in 3D. More mobility. Yeah, this is like their B... This is like Nintendo's B tier for sure. But so they have that rare... Yeah, so there's the radar gun, and then you just go and find dinosaurs, and that's it. The only thing that sounds remotely interesting to me <coughs> are the battles themselves where uh, there's going to be online play and local play. But for online play, it's actually up, for, it's up to six people, and you're battling on two teams of three with your dinosaurs. Or maybe that that might be local play too. But basically, it's three on three. So it's not just you with your team. You have to like coordinate with other people, at least in theory. So that could be kind of cool. That's a nice wrinkle in the Pokemon formula that they're kind of borrowing from. Mm-hmm. But also, if you're playing locally, you can also... Um, up to three people can play locally together in co-op and all find fossils together. So for kids that are like at lunch, on you know, it's lunchtime at school and they want to go get Vivasaurs, here you go. Oh. Go get Vivasaurs. Yeah. I, I it does not pertain to us in any real way. I don't think I've seen another elementary school that allows you to play your 3DS game at lunchtime. Really? Mine, when I was a kid, I could bring on Game Boy. Wow, well... You didn't even go to the same school, but I'll just Clearly, say. Well, I went to school in Montana, so. Montana. Yeah. But, uh, but, yeah, the thing about Fossil Fighters, though, is, like, obviously we're kind of, like, whatever. Even the way I was describing it, it's like, yeah, you do this, but, yeah. Uh, it's a, like I said at the top, it's kind of a big franchise for Nintendo. The first one sold, like, a quarter of a million in its first month that it came out. Like, this is a, sle- a huge sleeper hit for the, for the company. So it does make sense that not only would they bring it to 3DS, but they'd announce it. They did this special. First year they've ever done this. At E3, they had what they called their Kids Corner, and they had a Kids Corner press conference. They brought in YouTubers, like kid YouTubers. They brought in, like, kid correspondents for, like, time and stuff where they get to go write about video games. Brought them all in, brought out Miyamoto, the creator of Pokemon, uh, Tezuka, the guy behind the Yoshi game, and literally they did a press conference for kids and announced, like, some new Pokemon info. They announced Fossil Fighters, and then they let the kids play all these games with Miyamoto, with Tezuka. Oh, I don't know. There's photos of Miyamoto making Mario levels with a kid. Oh, yeah, I saw the kid, like, they have, like, special shirts. Yeah, but it's just like, but how come when I was a kid, I didn't get to go make Mario levels with Miyamoto? That's so smart of Nintendo, though, because then they get is. to do all these announcements that us older people won't really care about. Like this one. It's like the whole thing we were watching, um, I was living with Nintendo, but um, when Sony had, they're like, oh, here is um, the Book of Wonder. Right. 
And then, and uh, everyone was saying through it, like, why are we seeing this? Or all oh, the echo on the connectimals. Yeah. Hey, Skittles. Or... Okay. <laughs> and then yeah, the Sesame and the Sesame Street game and the other Yeah, this is smart Nintendo to cater to the They have kids come off and like, oh, why are we watching this? Yeah, it's becoming super apparent that Nintendo gets how to do E3 and they don't need a press conference to do it. For the core fans, they have the digital event where they totally made fun of us and they, you know, in a friendly way and they knew exactly what we wanted and they, you know, they nailed the presentation and did it in a way that's really enticing to core gamers. Then they have their their business meeting with the retailers and whatnot where they announce things like, you know, Mario Kart 8, for example, quadrupled Wii U sales the week after it came out. You know, things like that they share in business meetings, not at a press conference. Then they turn around and do these kid corners for the kid announcements that we don't care about. Or they do, for example, uh, the roundtable about codename Steam, where they did it to a very enthusiast press of, you know, bloggers and other gaming sites where people will actually care more than even just watching those watching the direct. They're, Nintendo's very smart at picking exactly who to point these announcements at, and they do a pretty good job. And the other announcement they made that does that is Pokemon Omega Ruby and Alpha Sapphire. That also came out of the kids' corner, but they really used all of E3 to promote it. They did some announcements during the... They did a tease during the Direct. They put a press release, like, every day of E3. They announced different Mega Evolutions and everything. And they, they, they really kind of nailed how to trickle out Pokemon information and just information in general. So the biggest announcement for Omega Ruby and Alpha Sapphire is that there's another form of Pokemon now coming to the franchise. We already got Mega Evolutions, you know, just this past year with X and Y, and now we're getting what they're calling Primal Forms. So, uh... To become a primal Pokemon, you go through this new process called primal reversion, in which the Pokemon apparently, like, uh, re-harness the, the power of nature, or some ridiculous premise. But what it really means is they gain new abilities, and they change their appearance, and it's exactly like me- Mega Evolution, just something totally different. So... So it's just more of a cosmetic, and like, oh, no. No, 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 they get ability changes. No, 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 in the sense, like, cosmetic change for, like... What the Mega Evolution is. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's Mega Evolution under another name, so they can have two sets of alternate forms instead of one. So what they confirmed so far is the two legendaries of Ruby and Sapphire, right in front of our nose the whole time on the box, Primal Forms. They might have updated the box to make it more obvious, but I guess that's why they... No, okay, because that's what I was thinking. Yeah, because the box wasn't that glowing before. Yeah, but but they definitely look different. I just thought, like, okay, maybe they just want to make them look cooler for the box. Yeah, that's what I I thought, too. But it turns out the whole time they were primal form. You know what? That actually, this primal form thing actually could potentially explain why a lot of Pokemon look the way they do. Yeah. Because, um, like, Kyogre and Groudon, they're supposed to be responsible for creating the oceans and continents. So it's like, yeah. oh, okay, they're primal form. They're way bigger. So I guess that makes yeah. sense. But then there's also, like, um, Regigigas, which was supposedly the one that moved the continents to their current location. I'm like, Whoa. Pokemon has such, like, a deep, like... History of Earth. <laughs> I wrote a whole paper on it for our Japanese pop really? culture class. Oh, nice. Yeah, I pretty much had to like talk about the whole mythos of Pokemon. That's funny. Um, oh, yeah, Reggie Giga. So, like, if he had a primal form, maybe like his primal form would be like so big that it actually looks like he can actually pull continents. Right. So, so it kind of makes sense. It's, it is a way of explaining the backstory yeah, of the like, world oh. of Pokemon. But yeah, the interesting thing is you kind of touched on it already. But uh, Groudon and Kyogre, they do have new forms, and, they, and with those new forms come new abilities, much like with Mega Evolutions. Uh, Groudon, for example, he's now a fire type in addition to a ground type. Uh, Kyogre now gets to have a new, have way higher special attack stats. So it really is a lot like Mega Evolutions in terms of how they'll be used in-game. Not plot-wise, gameplay-wise. Mm-hmm. So I just I found that kind of shit. And that's not to say there's not Mega Evolutions. Because the rest of the, of the week, Nintendo announced more Mega Evolutions. So I guess we could run through them real quick. Um, 
Sableye was got its own special announcement where uh, essentially the Mega Evolution of Sableye, the gem on it detaches from its body and becomes a giant shield. So it's literally, it looks the same, just with holding a big sable that was its eye, or was its yeah, chest. I don't know, I think that's really cool, because it pretty much, like, I mean, I guess we have to remember, like, these are mega evolutions, they're not yeah. full-on evolutions, so yeah. they're just, like, They're, like, sidesteps. Yeah, so I think it's cool that, like, oh, okay, so literally, like, any part of a Pokemon that we might not be aware of, like, could potentially be, like, I don't know, I guess, like, extrapolated on. Yeah, Because cool, I, I never thought of anything of that gem in its chest, that's like, oh, yeah. cool, not the shield. Yeah, what's cool is, like, not only are they saying, like, oh, look, now it carries it as a shield, but naturally that means the whole point of Sableye's Mega Evolution is if you really want a really high defense Pokemon, this is going to be, like, one of the top ones, it sounds like, the way they're describing it. Yeah, I mean, They really stress the defense is off the charts on this. Yeah, like, I'm already, like, wondering, like, what, it, what its ability could possibly be, because Sableye was already a really good Pokemon. He had one of those yeah. abilities that lets you go first if you didn't attack. So I you... think they might have already said the ability, but I did not remember to no, take well, notes on it. <laughs> Oh, uh, from what I know, they haven't announced it yet. They just said, um... They have announced abilities for the three starters. Yeah. Evolutions, though. yeah well, but, one's already out. Yeah, but Sableye was this week, though. They were, like, very recent. Yeah, no, the three starters were confirmed this oh, yeah, week. Yeah. Officially. They were in Koro Koro Magazine last week. Oh, yeah, yeah. But they were confirmed by Nintendo and Pokemon Company this week. And it's, um... Mega Sceptile, who now mm-hmm. is part Dragon-type. Mega uh, Swampert, who has a huge attack stat boost. and But still is just grass. And then, as we know from X and Y, Mega Blaziken who is still the same. <laughs> so, But yeah, so all three now have Mega Evolutions. Those are the starters' final forms for those that aren't that up on it. And I will say, uh, Sceptile looks like he's on steroids. His arms are like separate Pokemon attached to him in terms of size. Oh. But uh, but yeah, it's, they have some special attacks that I didn't remember to take note of. But Yeah, but pretty but much um, Mega Sceptile gets um, Lightning Rod, so now right. electricity goes to him. Which basically is just like a double battle, yeah. a double battle strategy. Like they really want to emphasize double battles. And Swampert is his mega ability was um what is it? Oh, Swift Swim. So his speed doubles in rain, which right, is more right. of a double battle tactic. Yeah, but but you know to be honest, to be entirely honest, I'm not really liking this trend of simply creating new forms of Pokemon. I mean, I understand like doing it with Mega Evolution. I understand that's one thing. It's you know it's fine. But now they're doing these primal forms. And then, who knows, they're probably going to keep doing more and more forms. It just seems like a very lazy way out of getting out of making new Pokemon. Well, well, I think we're jumping jumping the gun on saying that right now. Just because, first of all, we just got X and Y where they have to make a bunch of new Pokemon. Second of all, this is a remake. We're not... not Just to be clear, just to be clear, I don't mind the idea of Mega Evolutions as, like, it's this new thing. I don't mind that they're making Mega Evolutions of Ruby and Sapphire Pokemon that fits into the yeah, but current it's, but it sounds like that's fine. something they've been doing for a while now. Like, they've already been, like, just remaking Legendaries or remaking Megas for Yeah, no, everything. what I don't like is the fact that they're now having multiple remakings. Eventually, they could hypothetically just do a whole game where it's like, look, now there's all these Megas and they have Primal Forms and they have, like, I don't know, uh ice cream sundae varieties or something and they're all edible like I don't know like I just worried that I'm not worried it's not the right word it just seems a little lazy to me I probably am jumping gun but a little lazy to me that they're like hey guys remember all these Pokemon now we have this one new form form but guess what we're doing another new form because that means the next Pokemon game they don't necessarily need new Pokemon they can just say check it out here's form number three where they're all cars or something. Like, they could go... It just seems weird. It seems like they're opening the door to all sorts of weird... Uh, I guess the potential... For battle strategies, I think it's No, cool. but, in, but even for this, because, I mean, they could have just left the game as is. Like, oh, here's the exact same game for you people that already played it. 
But by getting rid right. of Mega, it's like now... Like, no, I'm fine with Mega. Yeah. I'm saying I don't like that they're doing a layer on top of Mega. They have Mega, now they have Primal. Oh, they well, could just keep building well, it. Yeah, but I, I don't know. Well, for Primal, like, I mean... That's they like, could just call it Mega. That, that looks like, yeah, but that looks like something that's going to be more suited for legendaries, which, at the end of the day, who cares? Because they're legendaries, and you can't sure. even use them. But even then, but even then, what, why didn't they just make a Mega in that case? Why do they need this other tier? And because that just that does leave them the possibility to do a primal Pikachu one day and just have like seventeen different variations of Pikachu. Why? Why? Because Pikachu's already popular. Just keep know. reshaping I, I, him. I'm pretty. I mean, obviously, like there's probably other reasons for it, but I'm pretty sure it's going to be like, not well, no, well, and I was going to say like more plot driven. Like I'm sure, like maybe they came up with some story about like oh, like a long time ago. The... Yeah. Oh, and they have but, said that primal and mega are connected. They just haven't said. Well, that. yeah. No, like, they, they, they intertwine. Because, I mean, Mega Stones, I think, are supposed to be something that were created, so maybe Primal Stones are, like, how they occur naturally. Oh, perhaps. So, perhaps. and I mean, and Kyogre and Ground, they're, like, ancient Pokemon, so why wouldn't they have, like, sure. this Primal? I like how I'm talking about, like, from a, like, perspective oh. of pre- of the, fran- like, just them as developers, and you're trying to, like, fit it into I know, the yeah. Lore. I don't even know, like... Well, no, 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 yours makes sense, because in the lore, it's sure, they can do this as much as they want. My example, like, a car, making a Pikachu car ice cream sundae, obviously... They're never going to do anything like that. I'm just saying, from an outsider's perspective of the franchise, it seems like they're kind of getting, not lazy, but they're, instead of just remaking the same Pokemon, why don't you make new ones? I don't know. But I will say, I will say, battle-wise, it leads leads to all sorts of cool strategies with people's favorite Pokemon that they already have. So that's kind of neat. Like, you know, like Charizard having the X and Y variants of Mega Evolution. Like, so many people are like, oh my god, there's like three Charizards now, and they like love Charizard and want to use them in different ways, and this lets them do it. So I can see that. I get that. I just don't get why they keep stacking these new types. But from a from a con- conceptual point, not from within the lore. Within the lore, they can explain it easily. Mm. But that's just me. I don't know. I still don't really see. What you don't see it's a problem. Hey, even, we even, could agree or disagree. There's no, nothing wrong with that. Well, I guess I guess only because like we're just barely getting our first remake. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean. I don't know. Just makes mm-hmm. me wonder if, like, when they do Pokemon, whatever comes after X and Y, like the next new game. That's what, like, like, if, are they going to be like, "Hey, we made twenty new Pokemon, but, but but by the way, there's actually sixty because there's three varieties of them." Well, that's what, like, that's I'll just, what I'm like, worried about. Was, I'm just waiting for that to come yeah. out. I mean, we don't know if they're going to do that yet. I'm speculating like six steps ahead, which is oh. how, what I tend to do. <laughs> oh, okay. See, I I completely misunderstood. I I was just like taking your argument if you're like they were already implementing it. Well, they're starting. I'm just worried this opens the door to the future. To doing it more and more and more, but we'll see. We'll see where it goes. Right. The, the the one other bit of news um, for Omega and Alpha that cannot cause any sort of disagreement or confusion <laughs> from either side is its release date, which is set in a very logical time of November twenty first, Nintendo's favorite holiday weekend. So in the past, as you may know, last year that's when they released Three uh, D World and Zelda: a Link Between Worlds, Mario Three D World and Zelda: a Link Between Worlds. So. Could we see another double whammy of Omega and Alpha plus Smash Bros. for Wii U? It's it's possible. It's certainly possible. And there goes your <laughs> there goes your computer volume. Uh, so yeah, it's that that's Pokemon. Um, yep. One game that comes out before that. Kind of, we're, I guess we're going in reverse chronological order unintentionally. So we started with 2015. We're up to November. Now we're going to October with Fantasy Life for the 3DS as well. Obviously, since that's what we're talking about. Um, now this is a localized version of a game that Level 5 developed and published in Japan, and as they do with Professor Layton, Nintendo's taking up, uh, duties of publishing, marketing, translation, it's basically becoming a second party game. So, in this one there's actually a lot of translation, Nintendo has their work cut out for them. Because Fantasy Life is kind of like Animal Crossing crossed with a traditional RPG. Uh, you gotta pick one of 12 different lives to live, and then live it. 
So here, here, literally, it's every like type of RPG life you can imagine. It could be a paladin, mercenary, hunter, wizard, cook, angler, woodcutter, uh, miner, blacksmith, carpenter, tailor, or alchemist. And at any time, you can change your life. At any time, you can say, I'm going to do something else now. And which life you pick and what you do actually shapes how the game is presented and what you can do in the game and what areas give you when you visit them and that sort of thing. For example, like if you're in a, one of the combat classes, you know, someone that's actually like fighting, such as a mercenary, you're going to spend a lot of time battling monsters. And when you go to different areas, there'll be monsters that give you items when they are killed. But if you're, say, um, the angler as part of a gatherer class, uh, you're going to be doing a lot more leisurely fishing and a lot more like low-key. Sure, you might go to the same forest, but you're going over to the water, which now is more emphasized, and go on fishing. Or if you're even if you're doing like the craft things, like if you're a weapon forger as a blacksmith, or if you're sewing stuff as a tailor, you're just sitting there doing little mini-games with different button commands, doing all that within town. You never really leave town. So all of it kind of like merges together into this one big live-your-life-how-you-want Animal Crossing style, but you're going to be collecting things and doing like game-specific little missions. It's almost like a... Uh, to me, it's almost like if Animal Crossing was more of a game, like in the traditional sense. Because you still mm -hmm. get to customize a house, you still get to build... You actually build your own furniture one step further than just buying furniture. Like, you still have a custom space, and you still do your own thing, and you kind of do whatever you want. You have but you have missions, and you have things. But, yeah. What? Not that you can have a llama customize it, but... No. Yeah, that's not the same yeah. as you building your furniture. Or just change the color. Yeah. yeah. But, like, you're still... Yeah, exactly. It's like that, but then on top of that, you're actually going and doing game things with goals and objectives and, like, RPG mechanics... It's kind of like how Rune Factory took Harvest Moon and shoved an RPG on it. It's like, Fantasy Life is like, if you take Animal Crossing and shove an RPG into the middle of it. Hmm. So it could be cool in theory. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of curious to see where it goes. To me, it's, uh, it's kind of hard to say at this point, because it's a lot like Xenoblade Chronicles, where you really need to just sit down and play it for a prolonged period to get it. That's kind of true of any RPG. Um, they actually, Nintendo actually did a pretty good job of explaining it, though, in their Treehouse Live. Which we have a link to in the episode blog post for this one, 73, uh, episode 73 that is, where they spent like a good half an hour, 40 minutes just showing you how like, oh look at all these different lives you can live, and look at the different things you can do, and look how you go about doing it. So, so if you're curious about the game, go check it out. I really like the art style, I, I should probably say. It's, it's cartoony, but it's also very like sharp, very crisp looking. So... I don't know, did, did, have you seen any of Fantasy Life? Yeah, I mean, I, I could agree with, like, how it looks, but it doesn't look like something I'd be interested in. Well, I mean, it's basically Animal Crossing plus... An R well, you don't play many RPGs outside of Tales and Pokemon, so I guess that makes sense. I will say the battles are real-time in Fantasy Life. So, mm. if you like Tales... Like, they remind me a lot of Tales. If you choose to be a mercenary or a hunter or anything. Yeah, I don't know. I guess maybe once, like, the load hits light in the bit. Yeah. Tail teams take a long time to get through. <laughs> that is true. And this one, if there's 12 different lives to live, it'll probably take even longer. Yeah. Now, one game I know for sure you're getting. No. For sure. I know you're getting this. It's coming out a lot sooner than even Fantasy Life in October. And that's Professor Layton versus Phoenix Wright. Which is hitting end of August. So sooner only, only game, two months from now. But I feel like that game like, was supposed to come out a long time ago. It was. For a game that was announced... Before before it's, before it's Attorney 5 and came out, well, still haven't come out. Like, I don't know, like, yeah. It's been out, it's Japan. It's been out in Japan for like a year. Yeah, and it's already been out in Europe, I think. Yeah. So, no, uh, yeah. yeah, yeah, but now they're bringing it here finally. Nintendo, like, you could blame Nintendo for this one. Like, they're handling local. Like, I feel like the whole world has already played it. Except us. 
Yeah. Yeah, but like, honestly, I don't know, like, I, like I still think that's just crazy that like that I already like got and like they already got and beat Ace Attorney Five before this game, even though I, like that game wasn't out like way after. Mm-hmm. It's like wow, like this game had a quite the journey. It did. Like I'm obviously like still really excited about it, but it's more like oh my god, just give it to me already. Like and you still have to wait till August 29th. That's the worst know, part. It's, it's almost like like uh, like I don't want to say I don't care anymore, but it's obviously I do. But it's just kind of like a. Yeah, I know what you mean. It's kind of like just give, just get over. The, the hype, yeah, I guess the hype is gone. They've they, yeah. they held on for so gone. It's just like I just want to get it over. Well, with. I mean, to, to further amplify your point, like they showed it at E3. It was playable at E3. They announced things at E3, but I'm kind of like, well, we know all this. I mean, like the new stuff they showed. The town's called like Labyrinthia. Okay, that's a tidbit. Sure, the woman, uh, Leighton and Phoenix are transported or like warped there against you know unexpectedly, and they have to save this woman from who's being accused of a witch. Of being a witch, which we already knew, but now we know her name is Isabella Cantabella. <laughs> I'm not kidding. Uh, so, like, that's literally all they announced. They're like, yeah. hey, that's the girl, that's the town, you know everything else. Like, you know already that it's the brain teasers of Leighton and then the cross examinations of Phoenix match, or Ace Attorney match, match together. Like, instead of any sort of investigative phase in Phoenix, right, you now just have the brain teasers. Instead of any sort of, like. Interrogation or. Yeah. Well. Yeah, so it's. Yeah, it's just, it's weird how they really didn't have much to say, because we already knew everything, because it's been out for so long. But it's great that we are at least finally now getting it. Better late than never. Better late than never. And I mean, for Ace Attorney... Better late than... Better late than than forever Nick's right. No, that didn't work. That's wrong. Yeah, but (laughs) the, 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 the nice thing is, there's actually a huge influx in... Phoenix Wright activity because not only is Leighton coming out or sorry Leighton versus Phoenix Wright coming out we're also getting the uh, Ace Attorney trilogy that was recently released and announced announced and released I should say in Japan so in Japan it was called Ace Attorney 1-2-3 and over here we're going to call it Wright Selection oh yeah the Wright like the Phoenix Wright Selection Ace Attorney 1-2-3 but over here it's called the much much more normal name of Ace Attorney trilogy Phoenix Wright Ace Attorney trilogy so it uh, for those who don't know what we're even talking about Capcom basically took the first three Phoenix Wright games, so that's Phoenix Wright as Attorney, um, Justice for All, and Trials and Tribulations, updated them with 3D visual, like 3D effects on the visuals, well, and redrew the drawings. Yeah, so they pretty so much took, they took the iOS port and ported that to the 3DS and, and then added layered, the, layer, the yeah. layering. But now they're all going to be in one package as an eShop download this winter. Yeah, which is really awesome, but since it's an eShop thing, it's like, well... I personally had like no reason to get it. Like right, I have, you like the physical. Like I already have all three physical versions, and I have them on my virtual console because that's when I first played them through. When yeah. I first played through them, yeah. And then I also have them on my on my iPhone in HD. And since the screen on the iPhone is like so much nicer than the 3DS one, like you can actually see like the it still looks like an actual drawing, but I'm sure like it still looks really good on the 3DS. Oh, I'm sure, yeah. But um, I know for a fact my brother will get it because he's been meaning to replay through all the Ace Attorney games. But like, he just he's not gonna take my phone away from me all the time. Right. One thing that um, I am kind of not worried about, but um, hesitant about. Not well, not hesitant. More like for new people playing the game because mm. um, there's Ace Attorney Five on the eShop and Ace Attorney, Ace Attorney Trilogy. But what? But four. Is yeah, yeah, with Ace Attorney Four, and it's not like that's like just a spinoff. Even though it's called Apollo Justice, and it sounds like it's a spinoff game. It's core to yeah, it, it, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, like there's, it's like it, like it explains like wait, and Ace Attorney Five, like oh wait, who's this guy named Apollo that everyone acts like he's always been there? Sure. Why is it's like, the bridge that's definitely needed? Wait, you mean you weren't a lawyer for a while? Like what's like all right, this? Like, right. 
Yeah, so, I don't know, I feel like it, maybe that's going to get a re-release soon. Who knows? I mean, if Capcom is smart, it would. They haven't even announced a price or a specific date for Ace Attorney Trilogy, so they could very easily sneak out Apollo Justice sometime in between. Yeah, I mean... I mean, it would make sense, too. I mean, they really should. They should really just milk it all right now, because the thing is, Professor Layton's the better-selling series of the two, right? Yeah. And Professor Layton versus Ace Attorney's going to expose so many people to Ace Attorney, so many people to the idea of the cross-examination gameplay, that there will be drummed-up interest in going online, finding these Ace Attorney games, and seeing what that's all about. So if they're smart, which they apparently aren't, because they're running to winter... Ace Attorney Trilogy would come out within a month of uh, Leighton versus Phoenix, and then they would do Apollo Justice and the Trilogy right there, right yeah, there. And, 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 they, then and, there. and if they really wanted to, they could have, like, oh, an Ace Attorney Saga discount. Like, if you buy like, the, yeah, they, the Trilogy, you can get a discount on, on part Apollo. 4 and part 5. They really should, because the thing is, like, this is such a great marketing opportunity for them to almost not exactly relaunch the series, but expose it to so many new people. For them to codename Steam it, Steam the genre, kind of like how it's going to, you know, the masses. Basically, it is a relaunch. I mean, the games were discontinued for a long time, and they were, like, really hard to get, as I've mentioned in the article I wrote a long time ago. Right, speaking of which... But since then, they've been um, reprinted, and you can actually get them on Amazon for, like, 20 bucks each. Yeah. So, you can still get Apollo Justice if you really want to, but, the, but the eShop... Convenience, yeah. Totally. But, uh, yeah, speaking of extra, for those who are like, what's the big deal about Ace Attorney, <clears throat> Jose, excuse me, Jose actually, like a year ago now, wrote this extra called The Case for Ace Attorney. It's on the site at ramtown.com, and he basically outlines why you should be playing these games. Why they're worth your time, why they're worth your energy, why they deserve your money. <laughs> so, yeah, go check out that article on the site. It's, it's a really good summary of everything that's great about them. I mean, on, I've, I'm part of the problem. I've only played the first one, but I loved it. I just never got around to the others. So I might pick up Trilogy just for 2 and 3. Nope. And I'm definitely getting Leighton versus Phoenix. That's for sure. Because the, the funny thing is with Leighton versus Phoenix is I have never played a Leighton game because I'm, I'm not huge on brain teasers. But I know they're very storage and whatnot. But I'm just kind of like, do I want a whole game of brain teasers? But now Leighton versus Phoenix let me get my feet wet because like half the game's brain teasers. And even then, between the story and the Phoenix, right, gameplay, that will get me to do the brain teasers if I'm like whatever about Funny that. how... Um... I guess from a marketing standpoint, Leighton is probably going to be the one to expose more people to Phoenix. Except I'm totally back. But no, yeah. But for me, what they did around, like the only reason I even started going through Leighton games, like I have one, two, and three, and I still have to get four, five, six. Was because of Phoenix. Yeah, was because of crossover. Like, oh, yeah, well, because this game is coming out, I'm like, oh, I should probably catch up on Leighton so I yeah. can actually care about this other half of the story. Yeah. And, the good news and is they're really good. Like I would say their story and plot is like maybe like on par with like Phoenix sometimes. Really. Yeah, like, well, they have fully animated cutscenes, don't they? So yeah, but, but like, but the story, like, they're they're the same thing. It's like there's a mystery. Maybe sure. sometimes it's a murder. Maybe sometimes it's like something goes missing, or you don't know what's going on. And it's like really clever twists, and no, just really well written. Like they know what they're doing. Yeah, now. yeah. That's I mean, Leighton is known for its story, so that makes sense. And and its brain teasers, but the story's always been a big component. Um, what was I gonna say though? Ooh, dead air. No, <laughs> but yeah, no. It's just like it's. This is such a great opportunity for them to really push both franchises so I hope Nintendo's smart about it, and, yeah, does it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and the thing is they don't really have much else to do so they might as well because that what we just listed those like five games are basically the entire 3DS lineup for 2014 yeah, and part of 2015 I mean it's an amazing lineup but wow. it's a solid lineup <laughs> but like oh well sorry there's also Pokemon Art Academy how could I forget Pokemon oh, Art Academy you're right so there's six games <laughs> but still like uh, it just compared to the Wii U, this year is kind of slow for 3DS. I mean, the thing is, obviously, the Wii U was the one that needed more attention. Nintendo's really heavily marketing all the There's only one title. Nintendo after all. Yeah, and they always alternate which system gets the most attention. Last year, 3DS was on fire compared to Wii U. 
But and the thing is, Nintendo's really pushing the evergreen marketing, so to speak, like Mario Kart, Mario Three D Land, all that. They are still pushing that super hard in terms of getting new people that buy two DSs to buy those games. They're probably gonna coast on that this year, because like I mean, I counted it up. Wii U had twenty first party game announcements at E three and second party. Twenty Nintendo published games were announced for Wii U. Three DS in total had seven, not even half. So it's definitely a slow. It's definitely a slow year for three DS, but. But then again, uh, leading up to E3, 3DS totally destroyed the Wii U's lineup. I mean, we got Mario Golf, we got Kirby, we got Yoshi, we got Bravely Default. Like, it's been a solid first half of 3DS games. So presumably they'll just keep marketing those, market the evergreen tiles, and, you know, release these five out of seven. Bravely Default feels like it's been a long time since it came out. I know. It's only been a few months, though, isn't it? Crazy. But the, the only funny thing is that if you really think about it, like this whole lineup in general... Nintendo, not, not that many of the games are actually Nintendo's own creations that they had to sit down and code. Phoenix Wright versus uh, Layton, or Layton versus Phoenix, that's someone else's. Fantasy Life, that's someone else's. And granted, not to diminish the Treehouse's lo- localization, because that's obviously taking a ton of time and effort. But, uh, yeah, it's fewer games that Nintendo's actually literally making themselves. It's mm. like three. And two of them are next year well it's kind of cool that they're at the point where they can pull this off yeah i mean yeah and to their credit they do have a one-two sales punch of pokemon and smash bros coming out within a month of each other so or six weeks of each other so they'll be fine they can coast with what they have they have a few new things and they have the giant franchise yeah, but I mean, it's just a slower year yeah i mean they have smash brothers coming to the 3ds yeah like, they yeah. have smash brothers coming to exactly the 3DS. and they have another pokemon which sings sells like games they have no smash what. brothers do they do, jose do they do they have to have a new smash brothers for the nintendo 3ds well yes it's called smash brothers for 3ds actually for nintendo 3ds oh. they added nintendo for 3ds oh i'm sorry yeah. Smash Brothers for Nintendo. TM. Copyright. Trademark. But, uh, but yeah, so that, that really, quite frankly, it's kind of it for 3DS game news from E3. Like, the Wii U, we talked two hours straight about. This one we did maybe 45 minutes worth. That's not to say there's not other news. Because now that E3's over, um, all the news of outside of what Nintendo announced for 3DS and Wii U is starting to crop up. We're going to see this over the next few weeks, and we're probably going to talk about it next episode, too. Like, the scraps from interviews, the tidbits of interesting intriguing things that people are saying that kind of bear shape what we know about the games and the company as a whole and this e3 obviously was no different because uh nintendo's top brass was you know talking a lot about a lot of things case in point we now know a fair amount more about star fox courtesy of an interview that miyamoto did or a series of interviews that miyamoto did so um just to just for those who may have not listened to episode 72 yet or might have forgotten in the last 48 hours since we posted it, what Star Fox showed at E3, the game seemed kind of rough. They had three demos. There's one where you're flying around, there's one where you're flying Star Wolf, and there's one where you're like controlling a robot in a city on the gamepad while the TV is showing a helicopter vehicle you're controlling. All those, that was it. That's all they showed. TV uh, had a third-person view, gamepad had a cockpit first-person view, and you aim with the gamepad. That's the new mechanic, because you have better aiming, because you can swing any which way. But, um, speaking with Kotaku... Shigeru Miyamoto, who this is his new personal pet project, here's explaining that they plan to flesh out the two-screen setup beyond just the, you know, pivoting around with the gyro in a lot of different ways, actually. He was saying, for example, that uh, at the simplest level, cutscenes are going to be happening both on the gamepad and on the TV and keep those separate perspectives. So there might be some cinematic cutscene unfold- uh, unfolding on the TV, and on the gamepad you'll be first-person view of Fox looking around in the cutscene or something like that. Which is kind of cool. You, there's never been a game that... There's been games where it's like, oh, there's a cutscene you can, like, do whatever in. 
but they never keep the cinematic thing going at the same time. So it gives you like the best of both. Yeah. A very minor thing, but kind of neat. Uh, the other more interesting thing, or bigger deal, is co-op play. Mimo basically confirmed they're doing a co-op mode, where one player's going to fly an R-Wing, presumably with a Wii Remote, while the other player, or a Pro Controller, I guess, while the other player gets to use the gamepad to turn and shoot. So it's kind of like those World War II fighter planes with this guy with the, gun, the gunner and then the pilot. It sounds almost like, um, I guess, in Star Wars, where like someone's sitting on that like spinny chair yeah. thing and shooting. it's exactly that. So that's that could a, actually be really that, that fun. That sounds really cool and like really yeah. fun. And I don't know why they wouldn't announce that at E3 properly through like a press release where they're announcing the other stuff. Because that right there sounds unique, interesting, fun, different. I'm just saying the same thing in different words yeah. now. Uh, one of a kind. Uh, exclusive, special. I'm done. <laughs> but, yeah. but yeah, it's just like, Cause, it's, why would they not say that? Yeah, because I mean, I don't know. I mean, I'm not down and out on my Star Fox, but like, I just want... I always like to hear about these non-rail parts of the game just because it's... Well, like, hey, there's another thing you're going to like then. In that same interview, Miyamo was saying to Kotaku that he wants Star Fox to not be so much about uh, individual experiences, but more of a bigger, overarching thing. For example, he gave the example of that robot in the third... Or, like, bigger, overarching, multiple vehicle... I forgot that key part. Multiple vehicle experience. Like, it's a whole thing where you're doing all these different activities involving technology and machinery and mechs and ships and robots because uh, you gave the example or go ahead well, well i mean like that sounds promising yeah because i mean like, like being able to do multiple vehicles and stuff but i mean you like, want on foot well not so much on foot i mean like i guess i don't know i mean i really liked being able to play on foot but what i liked most was most was like the, i guess the seamless transitions between like having like a dog fight in the sky going down Going off of it, shooting up some enemies on the ground, sure. and then jumping into your tank and doing something else. Yeah, that one sounds less likely. <laughs> Especially like when you combine that in multiplayer, because like, oh, like let's see if we get to the plane. I will admit, Assault has amazing multiplayer. And then playing Taxi or whatever. Right, yeah, Assault has great multiplayer. But, uh, yeah, because what I was saying to uh, Kotaku and also to Entertainment Weekly, he was saying it to both, like different things to both, I'm kind of piecing together now. He basically saying that little thing in the third demo where you're the robot and the helicopter's on TV and you have to move the robot in first-person mode on a rooftop while Fox is controlling the helicopter on, TV, on the TV. Uh, that's the type of thing he wants to do more of. He wants to have you have to do both at the same time. He wants you to keep dealing with that helicopter on TV while also managing the robot first-person style and controlling him on the gamepad. It's, also, it's a lot like, like the way you described it, to me it sounds a lot like how Zombie U handled the two screens. Where it's like on, in Zombie U, sure you can rummage through your backpack, but there's no menu that pauses it, you're just rummaging through the backpack on the gamepad, and someone could come up behind you on the TV. Or, you know, you have to figure out a keypad code, but guess what? You might be on the gamepad using the keypad, but on the TV there could be, like, ten zombies, like, trying to eat you alive, and you have to monitor both and really interact with both. Yeah. Like, that's kind of like what is saying for Star Fox, and that's how they want to do it. I'm cool with that. As long as there's some flying levels, I'm cool with that. <laughs> I mean, like, I, I still don't understand why... why he, uh... When mention these things properly, and they only come out after the fact interviews, but it's, it makes it sound a lot more interesting to me. I mean, he also made it even more clear that Project Guard and Project Giant Robot, which we talked about last episode, the security camera mini game for Wii U, and the robot sumo wrestling game for Wii U, essentially. It sounds like those definitely will be tied into Star Fox, because they'll just be some of the like vehicles you work with. Like, the mech could be the robot. The security guard thing could be, like, uh... You know, some other little activity. He, to Entertainment Weekly, he gave some analogy. Like, if Star Fox was like a TV show, um, basically, like, the normal ship stuff, you know, the exploration, the on-rails, all that, would be, like, primetime television. But then you get these little late-night weird shows as well 
such as the Project Guard. So you get a little of both. Because one of the things you're saying is you select missions this mm -hmm. time around. It's not like one seamless experience. So you could go, oh yeah, I'm in the mood for playing like a normal Star Fox level versus Project Guard, which would be like a side thing that you could just select. Now, that also worries me a little. I don't, kind of like what you were saying about you want a seamless experience, I don't really like the idea of essentially a Star Fox brand in the game collection. Hmm. So it, he's walking a fine line, but I'm definitely more into the idea now than I was when we talked about it on, on episode 72, like a mere two days ago. Like it's definitely, the more I've learned about it, the more hyped I am. But it's still not perfect. It's in the right direction. It's just not there yet. But, uh, yeah, that, that the, the nice thing is now I do these interviews, show that sort of stuff, where we get to learn more and like get more excited about a game. They also get to talk about games they're not supposed to be talking about, games that aren't at the show. You may recall that's how Pikmin 3 was first announced. A journalist asked me, hey, where's Pikmin? And he's like, oh, yeah, you guys keep asking. We're making a third one. Granted, it took five more years for it to surface, but it was announced off the cuff in a round table not yeah, like, like, like he clearly wasn't ready to announce it but they said yeah you know we get these questions every year when will Mother 3 be localized Nintendo joked about it in a digital event and Kotaku actually asked Reggie and he's like you know I'm not answering that but still the fact that they like are in some cases they do talk about these games that aren't announced and it leads to some interesting teases or whatever for example Eiji Anuma confirmed that he knows that fans want Majora's Mask. He's not confirmed the game, he just confirmed he's aware and he hears them, so that could be happening. But more specifically, the one I wanted to call out was uh, Metroid. Wow. We actually got a bit more information on Metroid. When talking Star Fox with Miyamoto, Kotaku Steven Totillo also managed to work Metroid into the conversation. I swear, he's the one that gets the majority of these little scoops. I don't know how he does it, but Totillo's on top of it. So, um, he got pretty... He knows exactly how to ask. Pretty much. And he got an interesting response, not just from Miyamoto, but sitting in the same room was... Uh, Shinya, sorry if I'm butchering this, Shinya Takahashi, who's the head of the Nintendo SPD team, their internal software product team, product development team, software yeah. product development, uh, SPD, that is in charge of Metroid. So just by chance, the Metroid guy was in the room talking about whatever other game they're talking about, and then Toto's like, wait a minute, I have Miyamoto and the Metroid guy, I should ask him about Metroid. And what he got back was that Nintendo basically said, like, uh, Takahashi essentially said that Nintendo's planning to bring Metroid back in the near future. It's not a dead franchise. It's not gone for good. He didn't say it's coming at some point. He said, and I quote, near future. So, Maybe that's good. Maybe we're or two away from yeah. I think so, because he also went on to say they're in the planning stages. So it's not that soon, but the fact of the matter is it's happening in some way. So the, um, the thing that's even more newsworthy than that, though, is he didn't just say, oh yeah, we're doing Metroid. He specifically called out both types of Metroid. He went on record saying we realize that there's 2D Metroid and we realize that there's, you know, 3D Me Metroid Prime style Metroid and they're to two totally different flavors and we're trying to accommodate both. Like, we're going to do both. It's not like a one... Because, you know, last time we saw a real new 2D Metroid game... Well, it was 2.5D Metroid. Well, I wouldn't count Other M even. If you count, like, traditional side-scrolling Metroid... Well, Other M was 2010, sure, four years. But if you count, like... If you go all the way back to like, traditional side-scrolling original Metroid Fusion? game... Fusion in no, 2000. wasn't it um, Zero Mission? Oh, yeah. After? Fu yeah, Zero Mission in 2004, but that was a remake. The last original. But it was a good yeah. We'll count it, And sure. I, and I, had, other, like, and I yeah. had an epilogue that was brand new. That's true. So, yeah, Zero uh, Zero Mission in 2004. So it's been a decade. And it wasn't boring? No, not at all. But, so, oh, no, I'm only saying that it's like, a, like it's because like, we didn't grow up with the NES, so, like, trying to play oh, Metroid okay. now, like, not having played it when growing up with yeah, it. Yeah, well, they Metroid Fusion. It, it, was, it, it was just like, like, oh, God, this, like, repetitive, like, same screen after yeah. same screen after same screen. But, I mean, well, the great thing about Zero Mission is they took the core gameplay hooks and basically 
slapped them into Metroid yeah. Fusion and made a new game. And I'm sure that's what made it really good back then, because like, obviously there weren't any games like these, like yeah. that, and Zelda, and blah, blah, mm-hmm. blah. But... but yeah, so he, it's, it's just, I think it's just awesome that he went out of his way to say, yeah, we're going to do 2D and 3D. And what kind of catch me, caught my attention as well, is he made the point of how they're in the planning stage. And you know, planning takes a while for a new game. Retro Studios just so happened to go gold with a game with their Donkey Kong game back in I don't know like January, which means they probably were switching development to something new in like January. So we could be they could very well be planning planning Metroid Prime Four right now. Yeah. I mean, if he's saying they're planning and they're the developer that does it, that's basically free. I know they have two teams, so some other teams probably doing something else. But this Donkey Kong team is suddenly free. Metroid, Metroid, anyone, anyone. Possible. This one's gonna have a multiplayer mode. I'm pretty sure. Uh, if it does, it's gonna have to be better than Echoes. If if it has a multiplayer, I'm expecting it kind of like Hunters. But even then, Hunters was not Metroid in any sense of the well, word. You can't really Hunters have, have that much. You can't really have like Metroid multiplayer without it being like generic team deathmatch. Well, yeah, no, but I just, well, no, well, I guess you can. You just have to be really creative with it. Actually, if anything, Hunt- they were actually doing the bounty part of like the. The, like of Samus' character because I mean they oh, had, like they, they, yeah they had yeah. no 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 and, um, Hunters well, I guess both they both had a bounty mode I think no Hunters I think is great but I Hunters is a spin-off first and foremost so I think it'd be weird if they shoehorned Hunters back into the Prime games proper yeah. Prime games proper well I mean I'm down for well, an well, HD well, Hunters I mean Metroid sequel. 3 ended with one of the those Hunters from Metroid Prime Hunters chasing after Samus I know so. I know but I, I, I just think, like, gameplay-wise, they're very different. One's very slow. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, well, Samus would, I mean face. Metroid Prime 4 would have to be just a one-player experience, and then the yeah. multiplayer is separate. If they did Hunters 2 as an HD Wii U game, I'd be okay with that. But then you run into an issue of it buying into Splatoon, which is Nintendo's big shooter for 2015. Yeah. This is their... They have gone on record. This is something well, else that well, they said at E3. I mean, unless it doesn't have multiplayer, because, I mean, there would still be very different. One is, like, a... Shooting, it's like an adventure shooter game. No, I meant Metroid. multiplayer hunters. No, oh, no, no, they no, need no, a no. hunter sequel. Oh, yeah, they're yeah. butted to Splatoon. Interesting thing about It'd be Splatoon a 3DS game. What? <laughs> to keep it on handhelds. Yeah, inter- actually, that'd be smart to do a 3DS version. Interesting thing about Splatoon, though, Nintendo has said that they're trying to make it the shooter, the Mario Kart of shooters, much like Mario Kart kind of did. I can see that. Twist. So far. Yeah. yeah, yeah. How Mario Kart was its own unique twist on racing. They want that to be for shooters. Um, they also said. That there's a ton, which cons- which addresses a concern that we had last episode, two days ago. I think it was Reggie who went on record saying that um, there's a bunch of unannounced Splatoon modes. And when they said single player, he's like, there's a bunch of unannounced Splatoon modes. In other words, mm-hmm. it is a full-fledged package product. It's going to have a single bunch player. Of it's going to have different modes. modes beyond the like, capture you know, capture the terrain. It's yeah. going to be a real full-fledged game. which is Yeah, cool. but I mean, like, if Team Fortress is tied as anything, like, you don't really need a single player mode. Like, people are still playing these, like, but Team Four Fortress, you like download or buy for like twenty bucks. Or Splatoon, or well, right, actually, now it was twenty at one point, wasn't it? Or was it ten? Well, it, it, start, it started off as a regularly priced game, I right. want to say, or maybe it was just part of the Orange Box. But oh, it was Orange Box. I think. Well, I mean, but that's on the console though; it's a PC game. Right, right. But I mean, they've just been adding modes like every once in a while. Like I think like the newest one was where everyone is one team versus these robots. Sure, yeah. Which is, yeah. I mean, but so, yeah, like, that's, so a pre- could... that's a premium game. I don't think Nintendo's gonna go freemium with Splatoon. I mean, they're not. No, no, I mean, I mean, they don't have to, but I mean, they just have to keep, like, these, like, interesting multiplayer modes. Yeah. Like, Although, it sounds like single player might be in there. Quite frankly, though, um, in that same interview, Reggie made some comment about, like, quite frankly, I don't think it's necessary, though, because Reggie, in that same interview, was talking about how, like, yeah, shooters don't need single player. Like, Call of Duty, most people play multiplayer. But, 
it feels weird not to have it. If you're like Nintendo or Call if Call of Duty came out with a multiplayer only game, you'd kind of be like, uh, what? It would feel incomplete. Right. Yeah. That's that was Reggie's concern. Well, yeah. well, one which is why he just came short of saying that they were single player. But I mean, I don't know. I would do feel like Call of Duty's always like been at least in part a good part of it, like just about the story. Like they've always had like their big like, oh, World War Three, a conspiracy theory. Oh yeah, like, yeah. Like, or I, like Kevin Spacey is ruling the world like, now. Like, like I know some people that it. literally just play Call of Duty just for the story, because. Well, yeah, yeah, they're very cinematic and like, deep yeah. grow, ready to go. Yeah, I mean, I don't know, they just think that like, oh, they're really fun and action packed. Well, they're like they're just yeah, they're, pull, they're giant set pieces. Yeah, like, they don't even play. You them go set player. piece to set piece, and that's it. Yeah, it, and they are fun. I mean, I have Call of Duty Black Ops Two on Wii U. It's fun. The story's pretty cool. You get a flying squirrel suit within the first like hour of the game, which is actually really fun, but. And not a Mario squirrel suit. There were a lot of squirrel suits when the Wii U launched. We had Mario's, we had Call of Duty's. That's two more than most consoles have, so Wii U's clearly winning the war. Uh, but we were mentioning Reggie, so I guess now's a good time to mention another interview he did. This one, not quite as um, happy news as Splatoon maybe having single player, and that's um, Nintendo's attitude towards live game streaming, specifically the idea of having Twitch on their console, because... PS4 has Twitch. Oh, then why stream the Smash Fest? Because it's so boring to watch people play tournaments. No, no, no. That's different. That's different. Yeah. But like, uh, extrapolating it to yeah. His so Xbox One has Twitch. PS4 has Twitch. Everyone has Twitch. The new thing is being able to share a game in real time with people. And Polygon had the chance to ask Reggie, uh, "Hey, so Wii U, Twitch? What's happening? You guys are clearly on Twitch now. All your E3 coverage is on Twitch. What? What's next? Is it going to happen?" And then Reggie said, I'm just going to read it, quote, direct quote. We don't think streaming 30 minutes of gameplay by itself is a lot of fun. He basically was but arguing... others might, is what he should say. What? Like, but others might, which is why we're going to... See, exactly, that, that's, my, <laughs> that's my issue with, that's my issue with this whole argument, which I guess we should explain his, he gave reasoning behind that, which we'll get to in a sec, but that, at the surface level, the issue is, okay, maybe you don't like it, but other people do. So here's what he said. Here's why he said that. Like, here's how he backed it. He was basically saying that Twitch, you know, it's a good asset to have and works well for Nintendo when they want you to share specific things or share curated content. Because Nintendo apparently feels that the best uh, reason to watch online streams is for tips and tricks or to learn from the pros. You know, like the time trials in Mario Kart 8. You were just telling me before you were recording. You learned a shortcut in a track because of a staff ghost. Yep. Like, Nintendo wants to do that more than just, like, flip a Switch and you can watch anyone play. And for all you know, this guy totally sucks and you waste an hour. Yeah, but the thing, too, also, is, like, what if you're not just going to watch ran- random people play, like... That's the lies about like, it. Um, like, um, my brother, um, when he was... His school year ended, but when he was playing his friend's PS4 and Metal Gear Solid... He was streaming. Like, like something that I always did, or it's just, like, a tradition with others, like, I'll watch him play... Metal Gear Solid, and it was really fun. Like, I enjoyed watching him play, but I was over here, so he would stream the game. Yeah, that's Or I watched him play Watch Dogs, or, like, I would just watch, like, my brother play, or I'll watch my friends play, because... Because they're your friends. It's what we do. No, that's the hole in his argument. The the whole, like, giant gaping hole in his argument. It's kind of like, I don't know, I guess he's just saying, like, in general, like, oh, I guess he just thinks that people just turn on the stream, like, oh, I'm going to watch Mario Kart. I'm going to watch this random person play. No, that's literally what Reggie was saying. It's like, no, like, you kind of already know who you want to watch to play. Like, there's, like, certain people, like, Maybe not like whole like walkthroughs, but like I'll watch like specific people play fighting games. I won't just watch anyone play a fighting game. I'll watch like specific people or something. Yeah, no, and that's what Reggie overlooked because he goes on this whole rant to Poly- well, not rant, but he went to this whole thing with Polygon where he's like, yeah, like the Smash Bros. Invitational made sense that we would stream that live because you can see pros play. Uh, if you're stuck in a game, you might turn to Twitch going, how do I get out of this Zelda dungeon? Doesn't make sense because 
random people might be stuck in the same dungeon. You spend an hour watching and waiting and seeing, but what he doesn't account for, like you said, is the fact that people want to watch their friends. He tried to sort of bridge a middle ground without actually... That, but there were, and, and there were, there's always going to be people that, like, if you're stuck somewhere, sometimes they will scream because, like, they actually, they obviously already know how to beat it. Yeah. They'll scream just that part or just, like, just have a Yeah, his, his part of his argument was also that, like, Nintendo wants to have fun experiences and watching a stream, ex- waiting for something to happen that may never happen isn't fun. It's mm. boring. That yeah. was part of it. But he did most say... Most of it's for the commentary, too, not just, like, to wait for something specific. Yeah, but, like, he seems to but think yeah. people go online. He and Nintendo seem to think people go online looking for tips and tricks yeah. or pros. And then they'll watch, like, Johnny Gamer 27's video where he just runs in circles chasing a, uh, I don't know, a Pikachu. Who knows? And it's just like, what's the point? That's his argument. Yeah. So, instead... I, I, I guess, like, um, I guess it's going back to me watching my brother play. I guess yeah. it's, like, something that I guess I could kind of see his argument, but it's entertaining to me. Like, part of watching my brother play is seeing how, like... He always tries to do perfect runs, so if he misses one thing up, he'll restart. So if some random person just on playing, he's going to be like, oh my god, why is this guy restarting like again? Oh yeah. my god, it's already like the 20th time, but for me, it's like, like I don't know, it's kind of funny sometimes just how he messes well, up and stuff like that. Well, the whole friend thing again. And Nintendo yeah. admit, I mean, Reggie did admit that the friend thing is an important component, because he was saying that like with curated stuff, it doesn't be curated by people, it can be curated by you. Mario Kart TV was the example he gave, where, which again, I don't agree with the whole premise, but I'm just explaining his side of it. Where, like, yes, you want to share your race, but no one's going to sit and watch full format races all day. So instead, Nintendo lets you pick the highlights and push them out in, like, a minute or less. That's the logic behind it. I don't necessarily know if that's true. I don't think that's entirely true, but um, it's also part of the reason that Nintendo's doing their YouTube affiliate program. We still don't know the details of it, but he was saying that, yeah, we want to basically let the people that do the best, you know, coverage over content, we want to let them do it in a super fun way. So, like, he's giving the example of... Mega 64, they did the, uh, you know, they did that pre-3 announcement video with Nintendo where they got access to Nintendo's building, Nintendo's staff, Robot Chicken, they worked with them. That's the type of stuff they want to do on YouTube because, again, it's not just watching whatever, it's watching something that's guaranteed to be fun in some way. Nintendo, Nintendo has always, now that I think about it, had this idea that they can't just have an experience, they can't just have a thing, it needs to be like an experience, I guess, that that Nintendo touched, you know, like on the Wii channels. On the Wii, the weather, the news, all those were very Nintendo-y. The Everybody Votes channel, like, all that was super, like, it's not just you're looking at polls, you're looking at weather, you're looking at news. It's like, there's a giant globe, and there's stacks of newspapers, and you're, like, flinging them around with the Wiimote and that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. So that's always been Nintendo's goal, and I think what he's trying to say, which I still disagree with, and you obviously do too, based on what you've been saying, is you can't just do a live stream of Twitch, because where's the fun and Nintendo touch in that? You need to either do it in a way where it's, like, super, like, distilled into just the pure joyous moments where you can have a Luigi death stare pop out like in Mario Kart TV or it's some sort of curated thing where they're working with the people to make the best content possible I don't think that's right because like you said we're about friends but that's his argument yeah well, and I mean, that led to a whole little brouhaha on the internet naturally well, I mean I guess like the good news for you people that um still want to stream something on the Wii U and can't uh, a really, really, really good and affordable alternative, which I actually have, is... The, and we will be using very soon. It's hint, internet. I still haven't quite worked out the the streaming part yet. I mean, I can stream, but I use a repeater, and that's kind of a whole right, thing. Right, right. So I haven't really bothered. But um, the Agato Gaming... The Agato HD capture card is under 100 bucks. It captures really good footage in HD, but it does, like... Obviously, their HD files are really, really huge. Yeah. And it's really easy to do. Like, it's literally just plug an HDMI cable from your Wii U to that thing, and then from that thing, plug another HDMI cable that it comes with to the TV, and then just select Wii U. It's like an option there. 
and then that's it. You just start recording, or you could, and even has like a Twitch button. You could just put stream to Twitch. You you log, you log into Twitch. And you log into Twitch, and then it just does it. You know, you're 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 explaining how easy it is and how cheap it is to do that. Made me realize something. One thing Nintendo's affiliate program and all of Reggie's points don't mention or bring up specifically. We talk about friends. What about less players? What about people that do less play videos where they do like half a game in like ten minute chunks or whatever? What, where do they fit into this philosophy Nintendo has? It has to be fun and interesting and something like curated and whittled down to just the pure essence of joy. Like, how does that fit in? Because some people just, like, watch them as, like, a, you know, I'm not going to buy the game, but I'll watch it. Oh, well, that's where it fits in. Nintendo doesn't want them doing that. So. Yeah. But still, that's a huge market, and they're going to annoy a lot of Yeah, because I can see something like, oh, I'll just have this game in the background. Yeah. But, but uh, it, it's it's a tricky position Nintendo's in, for sure. Um, but kind of going back to what you're saying, yeah, yeah we so have one of market, those. If you're in the market for that, I would recommend that one. Yeah, and we have one of them, and we have a YouTube channel under the name around Nintendo. I'm just saying, it's not a coincidence. Just keep an eye on the site. Follow us on Twitter around Nintendo. There might be some surprises. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> That's like the most obvious tease humanly possible. But uh, there was so that I think that kind of wraps up like the first party stuff that came out of E three so far. Like I said, there will be more interviews and stuff that'll cover in the future. But there was some third party news as well. We haven't talked about it whatsoever in either podcast. So total total right turn here. Let's talk third party for a little bit, shall we? Okay. All right. High five. Yeah. That was an actual high five. That was a just real high five. That was a yeah. real high five with some real, like, look at the elbow to get the perfect aim, like, precision. I was actually looking at the palm of your hand this time. Oh, I usually look at the elbow. Oh. Anyway, so the third part of the <laughs> Now, to be honest, the reason we haven't talked about it yet is because there wasn't a ton of it. Um, in terms of new games, the only major brand new third-party Wii U game that was announced the entire week was Just Dance 2015 from Ubisoft. That sounds kind of like even, a joke. It was, a little. But it's true. But what, what what strikes me as more interesting than even the fact that it was only Just Dance is what Ubisoft didn't announce and said they had. Like they, so they're like, oh yeah, Just Dance 2015. And then an hour later, they're like, oh, by the way, we have another Wii U game. It's finished. We've been sitting on it for six months. We're just going to wait till there's a bigger install base. So that was like the real Ubisoft Wii U story. The good news is they're not completely ditching Wii U. I mean, we have uh, Just Dance 2015 in October, I believe. Watch Dogs for Wii U is now on track for November until it becomes vaporware, which I still think will happen. So far, they just released the CGI trailer. That looks identical to the PS4 and Xbox One CGI, so who knows what what that means. But they now have this other title, which is confirmed to be a family-friendly prime minigame collection or something, but they're literally just waiting. They're saying uh, Ubisoft CEO, a guy named Yves Yves Guillemot, he's French after all, (laughs) was saying to Polygon that they are waiting on releasing the game because there's not enough people to buy but the if game. it's already kind of done, doesn't that mean they already wasted the resources and time to make it? Yeah, but his logic is we can wait till the Wii U blows up with Mario Kart. Oh, when Smash. it would sell more because they released it now, yeah, they, they feel released... like it would only sell 10 copies versus 100. Right, and they can't justify a marketing campaign for 10 copies yeah. versus 100. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because he was saying like TV commercials, print marketing, like how we have to pay for that. And I mean... I get what he's saying, that's true, but it's it just kind of goes back to that same old Catch-22 of Nintendo third-party support. Where, like, okay... I mean, how bad is Ubisoft doing with cash that they kind of have to do that? No, they're fine. They're just trying to not spend too much money on games that I think they know is going to, in one form or another, bomb. On its own merits? Relatively, yeah. It needs, like, the momentum of the Wii U? I guess. Or they just think, yeah, it needs any momentum, I guess. They, they, they don't think this game will, like, be the system seller for the Wii U? They're no, like, well, 
move it's over clear, Smash Brothers and Mario Kart 8. The way he described <laughs> it, first of all, he said multiple projects and then named this one in particular, so it might be others. But the way he described it, it honestly sounds like shovelware. It sounds like another Rabbids game, like dumbed down Rabbids game. The original Rabbids games were so good, and then it got really bad. I'm really sure fast. it's better than um, Storytime 2. The one that we saw today? Adventures in Storytime 2. Yeah, when we were at Best Buy for Smash Fest, that's right, we saw a Wii game that was four storybooks of total public work books. Not public like domain. Public domain, thank you. That's yeah, like Aladdin, oh, uh, Palm Bunyan. Two others. Two others. Pocahontas? No. No. Of equal... Yeah, of equal stature. Oh, Three Little Pigs. Right. Each had their own art style. Yeah, the Aladdin one. Yeah, the Aladdin one literally Wii looked like a knockoff of Disney's Aladdin. And Paul Bunyan looked like someone made in Flash in five minutes. But <laughs> it was literally like four stories. I guess you they're interactive in some way. It looked like a really crappy iOS, like Paul Bunyan the game, or read along with Paul Bunyan, but for Wii, like predating iOS's current influx of crappy stuff. Oh, the future, it's just really funny. The future was then. Also, it was twenty dollars for this thing, and that was pre-owned. How much did it cost new? <laughs> but yeah, but, by Zoo. It was by Zoo. Oh yeah, Zoo, Zoo Interactive, or Zoo Games, or whatever their names are. Yeah, they they are not known for creative for creating really great games. <laughs> but uh, what were we saying though? Oh yeah, the Ubisoft thing. So I feel like it is probably gonna be not the greatest game in the world. But what I was starting to say is it's it's it really exemplifies that catch twenty two of third party support because like if you release the game now, you're gonna have little competition, which is good, and you're gonna have a captive eyes because there's nothing else. But sales won't, will max up, will max out a lot sooner because you know there's no one that owns a Wii U. There's, I mean, now there's six million, but even then, it's gonna max out. Whatever percentage of people that buy it will be the same ratio as when there's more, most likely. So it will max out. Don't they want to release it in a pre-Smash Brothers world where they don't have to compete with it? Exactly. But then on the flip side, let's or take, Mario Party 10 because that sounds like something. I'm well, if, if, if it's a mini game collection, who knows? Oh, yeah. Now on the flip side, let's let's look at it from Ubisoft's perspective, which is again the same Catch 22. If you wait till later. You may have more competition, you may get less attention, and you still may not sell well, but you have a slightly better chance of selling slightly more. So really, it's like pick your poison, either one, you're, you're screwed. <laughs> yeah. So I well, guess I get why Ubisoft's doing it, but at the same time... Yeah, but I mean, at least it kind of, I mean, it feels like the install base is growing. Like Oh, it is. In the last two months, like at least ten people I know got Wii U's because of Luigi Mario Kart. Luigi there. No, the, uh... Yeah, like Mark, yeah, I just tipped them over. Nintendo said that they... Here in the U.S., in the first week of Mario Kart, key mind, it's a 1.2 million copies worldwide in its opening Oh, yeah, didn't weekend. we hear that the Wii U that Best Buy were sold out? Uh, one variant of the bundle. They oh. had some still, but some yeah. one variant. Um, the bundle with New Super Mario Brothers and the second game of New Super Luigi. <laughs> yeah. But the, uh... No, the... It, it, it sold 1.2 million worldwide, Mario Kart 8, opening weekend. Then, in the first week here in the U.S. alone, they sold 450,000 copies... Minus last six months, I have a huge install base, and they quadrupled sales of the Wii U that week compared to weeks prior. Mm -hmm. uh, Reggie was saying, I think, an adventure beat interview. No, uh, Seattle Times. He teased that the June NPD is going to be very interesting for Wii U versus the other guys. He kind of was implying, I don't remember the exact one, but it sounded like he was implying that Wii U might have actually outsold PS4 and Xbox One at the rate it's currently selling mm -hmm. if it continues for the rest of the month, which would be nuts. Imagine in July if we have an episode where like, so, number one system in June, Wii U. And I mean, not only do they have Mario Kart, they have amazing momentum right now, because not only do they have Mario Kart... Yeah, because now they have Mario Kart, all those people that really got it are going to get to discover all those other really good games that are, are amazing, but yep. not quite the ones that tip And they've over. dominated the video game conversation with Smash Bros. this past week. 
Conan, I think I said this on the other episode. Conan O'Brien did a whole segment about it. It was the number two most searched thing on Yahoo on Tuesday and Wednesday. Random right? people asked and I don't know about eight yeah, Smash Brothers. Asked, Even if they don't know what Smash Brothers like is. Ten people. Even if they know what Smash Brothers is, they yeah. know it's, a, it's thing. a thing. Someone thought it was a soccer game, which was kind of funny. Oh. <laughs> but, uh, what was I going to say? Yeah, no, Nintendo's riding high right now. They are on really good buzz. So if they can keep this momentum going throughout the summer somehow, I don't actually know how they would do that. They have no games until Wii Sports Club in July. Uh, end of July. Um, yeah, if they can keep this going, it can bode really well. And then Ubisoft can get their games and everything will be fine. In the meantime... There's not much else besides Ubisoft in terms of announcements. We did, however, get some information on Sonic Boom, which is Sega's next and final game in the Sonic exclusive deal they signed with Nintendo. So Sonic Boom um, is going to be on Wii U and 3DS. It's got subtitles. It has subtitles. That's the big one. Uh, for the Wii U edition, it's called Rise of Lyric. And the game, as we kind of talked about before, is a puzzle-heavy platformer, like action-adventure platforming game, like, you know, more, more like PS2-era... Like, like Sonic Adventure, Ran- Ratchet and Clank, Crash Bandicoot, Jack and Daxter, that sort of thing. So, um, what we now know is players are going to be able to switch between Sonic, Tails, Knuckles, and Amy on the fly with a single And one random person, right? That's in the 3DS one, the oh. random. But yeah, flip, uh, switch between them on the fly with a button press. Which Now, and uh, it sounds like now what I'm not sure of is, I don't think you're actually like literally swapping the characters into the same spot. I think they're on different parts of the map and you fly between them all. It's like Pikmin 3 style. Because a major part of the gameplay is cooperative, teamwork-based gameplay. There will be a co-op mode, one person on the TV, one person on the gamepad. But there's also, obviously, if you're playing solo, a lot of the puzzles require two oh, Yeah, like they're really emphasizing how, like, oh, Knuckles can climb walls, so he can only reach this area. Right, but then when you get so there, on. yeah, and then when you get there, you switch. Yeah, so, that Knuckles, not sure. yeah, so like maybe Knuckles will open the door for all those people that can't climb Right, and then they wall. go back, which is why I think you're not physically switching them in the same spot, but actually moving yeah, the like, camera. Yeah, pick me three sides. Yeah, exactly. So that's kind of, that could potentially be interesting. It's like Sonic Adventure if Sonic and friends are all crammed into one space instead of having their own totally different levels. Yeah. So, I mean, I guess that's kind of cool. It's also going to have I off-TV mean, play as if that... I mean, on its own merits, like, it doesn't seem like it'll be a bad game. It's yeah. just, like, I, I guess people are still kind of waiting on, like, that Sonic game that the whole yeah. world will like. I mean, I haven't... I've liked every Sonic game that's come out in the recent years. This one's, like, Sonic's but, name, but not in-game. Yeah. Yeah. It also, or sorry, you're gonna say something you said, but no. Mm-hmm. Oh, I was just gonna say one other thing they're introducing in this one that really makes it even less Sonic-y than normal is they there's a lot of grappling gameplay. They're introducing this new item called the Ender Beam, kind of where it, it's like a lasso slash a grappling hook. So like you could tie up enemies with, like you know, wrap up enemies with it, but also use it on grappling points. It so, almost seems like it was inspired by um. I don't know if you remember Sonic Chaotix on the vaguely yeah on the Sega. I mean, I know of it. Thirty two X. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But that one, um, I mean, you couldn't use the grappling thing like to attach the enemies and objects, but like every character came in pairs and they were both attached to each other with these like rings that had like like, cables that were stuck to each other. So that was like the hook of the game. This is kind of riffing on that a little, or updating that and splitting the characters up. But yeah, and I guess to give all of them more mobility or something, just like I guess like oh, we need everybody kind of to fight on equal grounds to make it easier for us to. I'll yeah, actually, now that them. I know that backstory, it makes it the game makes a little more sense and is a little more Sonic-y. Uh, the 3DS version, though, in particular, is actually way more Sonic-y in the sense that's a side-scroller. Not a running side-scroller, not like a fast side-scroller, a p- puzzle platformer action-adventure, but a side-scroller nonetheless. So it's basically the same game. It's, I mean, totally different plot, but it's basically the same concept of how the game works without as much of a co-op emphasis. And instead of Amy as the fourth playable character, they introduced a new badger named Styx. Yeah. 
Not to be and there's confused literally nothing else to the, say about that. <laughs> not, to, not to be confused with the raccoon that it looks a lot like that came out in Sonic Dash Adventure or Sonic 2 Dash Adventure or Sonic Adventure Dash 2. There's no Dash in Sonic Adventure 2 Battle. No, Sonic Dash. Like, you know, the, the Sonic Dash. The one that's like a side score. Oh, boost, gotcha. Like, that's yeah. for DS. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah Sonic Dash. Yeah, the seat. Oh my bad, not Sonic Dash. Sonic, Sonic Rush. Da- Sonic yeah, Rush. Yeah, Dash is the Dash is the oh, yeah, iOS. Oh yeah, the yeah, iPhone. Yeah, yeah, Rush. Wow, well they're kind of similar in the name. I like kind of like Rush, yeah. Dash, Boom, Blam. Well, fast, you get it. Yeah, slow. yeah. There's a raccoon there that I thought that was just a redesigned version of that, but I guess not. No, Sticks is a badger. Yeah, a female badger, a young female badger. Who yeah, the, believes in conspiracy theories. Yeah, but the raccoon just had that's that's exact same color scheme. Game right there, and, conspiracy theories, yeah. apparently. <laughs> well, anyway, yeah. Yeah, but I mean, the thing is, like, even though the 3DS version kind of sounds like whatever, it is being developed by a team that has a decent ped- pedigree. Uh, it's being done by, uh, what was their name? Sanzaru Games, there we go. You may know them as the people behind PS Vita's God of War collection and Sly Cooper collection. So they're good at downscaling console games and making them... I don't know what I can say about the, the downgraded Sly Cooper game. Is that what you said? Sly yeah, Cooper? Sly Cooper and God of War. Oh, but the God of War games are really good. So there like, you go. That's like that. very, like, Well, very... they did Collection, just to be clear, not the originals. Oh. They did the one where they took the PS2 ones and put them on. Didn't oh. they do that at some point? Well, they put the both God portable War. games into one package. Well, then I guess they did that, which means, yes, then they must have helped develop them. I don't know. Oh. But they, the point is, they have a pedigree. Never mind, of, then, kind of. I don't, I don't know. Point is, they have a They've pedigree. They've touched those games and didn't mess them up. <laughs> they so have a like pedigree <laughs> of... Downsizing games, I guess is all I can right. say. So, or combining games, <laughs> or literally <laughs> copy pasting code from one game to another game. Well, no one seems to complain when that collection came out. So yeah, so so that <laughs> that votes well. <laughs> um, yeah, I I mean, there's not much else we know about Sonic Boom. It was a big focus of Sega's booth, but I'm sure leading into its launch later this year, we're gonna talk about it some more. Well, Once we know some of more uh, more gameplay hooks beyond just those grappling hooks, am I right? <laughs> Uh, one last thing I just wanted to say was, um, just based on the cutscenes, like, you could definitely tell, like, I don't know, like, I guess, like, this Sonic, or I guess this universe is, like, I don't know, it just feels like they tried harder on the writing. Like, yeah, well, it's a TV show. I don't know, well, yeah, that's, like, like, they're trying, like, like, they're, like, like, it really does feel like you're watching, like, a TV show, I guess, when you're watching the cutscenes, yeah. like, the banter and, like, the, the timing and, like, everything. That Which is good, because it got a little cheesy yeah. in some of the other ones. They're also doing a well, Sonic I mean, movie. Still, I know, it's on purpose, but yeah. it's also, they're also doing a like, full-foot Sonic movie. Like, Sony Pictures is developing it with, um, oh, who is it? The, the writer of I was like, oh, something. up until they said, like, live action, and I'm like, oh. Live action mixed with CG. Sonic will be CG, Robotnik and Company will be CG, or maybe live action, I don't yeah. know. But Sonic's gonna, they're going to try to make him look realistic, so he's going to have, like, not a black nostril, because, you know, Sonic, like, yeah. hedgehogs don't actually have they're, those. They're nostrils. smurfing Sonic. And you can take that to mean literally like they're making a Smurf-esque movie, or you can let Smurf replace any word in the dictionary you want. Be as vulgar as you want. They're Smurfing Sonic. Um, hope we're wrong. They're Smurfing... But... They're Smurfing Sonic up the Smurf. No. Yeah. <laughs> why why, why uh, can't they just do what they did with the Ratchet and Clank movie? That looks like the perfect video game The thing about that is that's not even coming to theaters anymore. I think it's a PSN uh, no, like, they, exclusive. They, they, no, they... they also oh, it's a Sly Cooper movie that's PSN exclusive. One of those is going to be like a PSN No, oh, yeah, the Ratchet & Clank is definitely show. coming to theaters. Yeah, you're right, you're right. But, uh, moving back into Nintendo territory a little. Yeah. Um, Wii U, the only other announcement we got came by way of Capcom, and it's not a new game, it's just a crazy long list of old games. 
So Capcom was showing off, you know, for 3DS they had Ace Attorney, for 3DS they had uh, Monster Hunter 4 Ultimate, which they have since confirmed there's no chance it's coming to Wii U. So sorry, people that like 3 Ultimate on Wii U, as in you. Uh, well, I, mean, I liked it, but I, I also liked the idea the of handheld. being on a handheld. Yeah, I guess the Wii U one just didn't sell nearly as well. I mean, that's tr- I, the numbers I saw back when they first launched, like the Wii U one was like 50,000. Compared to the 3DS, is like 192,000. I mean, they seem so. like they were still kind of happy with it, just because, I mean, they had both. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, they yeah. were certainly happy with it. They just don't... They weren't happy enough to fund a sequel. Yeah. But uh, what they are going to do is release a whole bunch of classic games on Wii U. Something like 12 of them, in fact. I'm just going to read the list. They're actually, like, supporting it this much, the virtual console. Yeah, it's fine. Like, the like they full-on embraced it. They're like, the only publisher that does. That's what I don't understand. Like, Atlas kind of does. Natsume kind of... Natsume kind of does. But, like, Capcom's the one that's like, we're going to throw everything at it. And I mean everything. Listen to this. Super Nintendo games are coming to the Wii Virtual Console. Are Breath of Fire, Demon's Crest, and Mega Man X3 and Mega Man Seven. I really want Demon's Crest. Yeah, that hasn't gotten a release, a re-release any time prior, right? That's a new Virtual Console game, mm-hmm. right? It wasn't on Wii or anything. I don't um, think so. Yeah, I don't think so either. On GBA, maybe it was because I remember seeing a trailer for oh, um, Firebrand changing into different types of things. That might be Breath of Fire though. No, but um, Demon's Crest. Oh. Am I totally showing my ignorance about these games right now, not knowing? Isn't Demon's Crest a Breath of Fire-ish RPG, or is it something totally different? Maybe you're right, but I know, like, Firebrand's game isn't just called Firebrand the game, or whatever. Oh, 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 I see what you're saying. Yeah. yeah. Oh, no, I got him way mixed up. That one's called Gargoyle's Quest, which you should have Which is also it. coming, so there you go. Yeah, he, that's me, the game I want. Right, let me Gargoyle's run Quest. through the rest of this real quick. GBA games coming to Wii, Virtual Console, Mega Man, Battle Network 1, 2, and 3, wow. plus Battle Network Chip Challenge, the spinoff, and uh, Mega Man Zero 1 and 2. And then from the NES, we'll be getting Mega Man 5, Mega Man 6, Street Fighter 2010, which is now four years old. Not uh, an actual Street Fighter, just for those people. Yeah, it's, it's a game set in 2010 that's kind of like Final... I think it's kind of like Final Fight, but it's Street Fighter. No, it's like a Wasn't it? 2D yeah, it's like little, Final little like, side-scrolling where you jump kind of like Mario. You Wait, like... what? It's not like Final Fight? I assume it's it nothing like Final, like Final Fight. Fight. Well, that sounds insane. Also, we're getting... Well, what we are getting, though, is Mighty Final Fight. That's another one that's coming. And lastly, Gargoyles, Gargoyles Quest 2. So, those NES games I just mentioned, by the way, uh, Street Fighter 2010, Mighty, Final mm-hmm. Fight, Gargoyles, Quest 2 will also be coming to 3DS. Yeah. But still, that's an insane list. And the Mega, ne- Mega Man Battle Network games are actually really good. My friend was obsessed with them when we were kids. Like, totally obsessed. Completely obsessed. Yeah. So, I've played a lot of them. I like the, oh, I, I, I like the TV show and the whole idea about the chips and how they yeah. make them in real life and all that kind of cool. Network transmission, the the. GameCube Mega Man Battle Network game was kind of interesting because it was like a side-scrolling Mega Man game but then it had all the chip stuff built in too. So like yeah. when you're walking around you're picking up chips and they give you different abilities. And like the program advanced, if I remember that. Yeah, yeah. The long sword, short sword. And yeah, it, it was a fun series. But uh, but more to the point, if Capcom can do this, why can't Nintendo do this? Capcom's literally just like, check it out guys, we're releasing a ton of stuff and Nintendo's like... Okay, bye. <laughs> yeah, and it, yeah, and Nintendo's just like, uh, we got Mario 3 hmm. four months after you did in Europe. Eh? 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 Mario? Like, I don't get why... It's not, like, trickling. Like, literally trickling. Yeah, I mean, at this point in particular, when there's not a ton of Wii... There's more Wii games than there's been, obviously, but we have a summer lull coming up. Just pump out a bunch of virtual consoles. Any more DS games or GameCube games? Well, Brain Age just launched for free in Japan and Europe as the first DS virtual console game. Nintendo has not said a word yet about America. My suspicion... Is they didn't want to take away from E3, so they're gonna wait a few weeks and then, like late June, they'll be like, "Hey, we're keeping the momentum going with a free virtual console game and the launch that of DS like something virtual that's console." Like E3 conference feel like, "Oh, there's this game available right now." Hey, I mean, uh, Sony did it. Yeah, yeah, but <laughs> except like there was been free. There was like, "Hey, so you guys can um, buy it right now." Oh yeah, give it. So yeah. 
It could be waiting for you there. Yeah, you know, buy it. You'll know anything about it. You only saw a two-minute trailer, <laughs> but go buy it. But no, it's, uh, yeah, I'm pretty sure they're going to do it. That game looked cool, though. Right? What? No, nothing. That game looked cool. It did, it did. It Entwined? Yeah. Yeah. It looked cool. It's also coming to iOS and Android, by the way, so if you have a PlayStation, you can check it out. Yeah. But but no, my, my, my point was, I'm pretty sure they're going to, like like I said, they're going to do it at the end of the month, or like early July, Brain Age, and the start of DS Virtual Console, and then literally it'll be like, momentum is still going strong with the launch of, I guarantee those exact words will be used. I will put <laughs> money on it. Actual money. One penny. Dollar. All right. Shake eye. They can't see a shake. A dollar that when they issued a press release about Virtual Console for DS Virtual Console on Wii U, they mentioned how it's keeping momentum going. That's what we're agreeing on. Keep they say reference verbatim. What do you do verbatim words? Moment, keep the momentum, or the momentum continues, or keep the momentum going. Something about momentum building forward. No, fine. No, pick two statements. They can't have any of the generalized nonsense. I'm saying that no. The term momentum continues. Momentum continues. Yeah. Those two words have to be back yep. to back. All right. All right. We shook on it. All right. We'll tweet if I'm right or wrong, or mention it in the podcast. Uh, but going back to E3, because that's that's a month from now, maybe E3. Though there was 3DS. I I know we said we were out 3DS stuff, but it actually was a little 3DS stuff. Uh, one thing in particular, and that's Harvest Moon. We talked last or two episodes ago about Story of Seasons, which is Harvest Moon in game, but not Harvest Moon in name. And now we have Harvest Moon in name. That's a knockoff of Harvest Moon in game. Because turns out what happened, as a little wrong way says two episodes ago. The Japanese pop developer of Harvest Moon is a company called Marvelous. Marvelous owns U.S. localization firm, company, developer, publisher, Exceed Games. They decide, why should Natsume publish our Harvest Moon games here in the U.S. when we own a publisher that can keep all the money in-house and we have to pay them separately? So they moved Harvest Moon to Exceed. Unfortunately for Exceed, the name Harvest Moon is not a universal trademark of Marvelous. It's a trademark specifically of Natsume. So Natsume gets to keep Harvest Moon, while the game of Harvest Moon is now Story of Seasons. So, for the past two years, Natsume has been developing a new Harvest Moon that is actually quite different from past Harvest Moons, because it really isn't Harvest Moon. So, what they're doing instead is they're making the first truly 3D Harvest Moon game. Camera's on ground level, you're walking around, it's not a bird's eye view, and more interestingly, there is terraforming. You can build valleys in your farm. You can build mountains in your farm. Kind of Minecraft-esque, where it's like little squares that you stack Sounds around. Sounds like a pretty big deal. Yeah, it's actually a pretty big shift for the franchise. And then you can plant crops and put cattle and animals and whatnot on top of, or on, you know, on any part of that terrain that you do. So you can dig all the way down to the groundwater and then plant your crops down there and have them kind of be naturally watered. Or you can put them very high, or for whatever reason, you might want to do that. So they're, they're kind of changing it up. And they're actually, um, the art style is pretty different, too. It's very, like, exaggerated, chibi look. I know it was kind of chibi before, but now it's like stretched out, like weird. They're and the pushing reason, the limits of chibi. They're they're putting chibi to the test. This is maximum chibi. No, but the uh, the thing that's interesting to me is Natsume, Natsume instead of just like saying, okay, well, let's just try this to see what happens. They did like a ton of research to make sure they were hitting the right notes. Like they actually went back, looked at all the best-selling Harvest Moon games. So Harvest Moon 64, Harvest Moon, um, Friends of Meryl Town on Game Boy Advance, which was actually a really good game. And then the PS1 version, which I'm blanking on the name of. But they looked at all of them, and they said, what are the common themes? What are the things that really worked in these games? What cross-references between the games? And they took that and then built a whole new game around just those themes. And that's how we got this Harvest Moon. Which, by the way, I forgot to say, is called... What is it called? The Lost Valley. Yes, The Lost Valley. Thank you. I totally blanked out. You're welcome. Yeah, you didn't just have to have it written down next to you or anything. Nope. 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 Uh... But yeah, so this whole situation with like Harvest Moon that is Harvest Moon and Harvest Moon that isn't Harvest Moon like, and how they're coming out at the same time feels an awful lot like Bugs Life and Ants 
or like Shark Tale and Finding Nemo, where it's like the two companies are like releasing very similar products. Uh, mall Cop and Observer Report. Oh yeah, mall, Blart, Paul Blart Mall Cop and Observer Report. It's 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 kind of funny how it's unfolding, but I, I'm really curious to see which one's better. I mean, on paper, Story of Seasons should be the better one. It's from the actual team. It's really the continuation of the franchise. They but are the reason those, they are those, those games that they were looking at were good. Exactly. They are Harvest Moon. But then on the other hand, we have Natsume who's trying to do new things with the Harvest Moon name. That could work great or not so great. So I guess we'll see. But those are both coming out this fall, so it's something to keep an eye on. Who yeah. knew the farming genre, the farming sim genre, could be so dramatic? Like, seriously, who would have guessed? Well, kind of has to, but not to be... And just farming. Yeah. More than just farming. That is true. That is true. And that and that kind of concludes the major third-party announcements, but there were a few indie games that we should probably really quick mention, just super quick, because they're, they're big-name indie games, and there's some big news going coming with them. So first up, WayForward Shantae and the Pirate's Curse, which is coming to... Which has been, Ooh. I should say, was bound for 3DS for quite a while, is now also coming to Wii U. So for those that don't know anything about it, it's the third game in the main Shantae storyline. In this one, Shantae, who's like this belly dancing genie who uses belly dancing to do different transformations and attacks and whatnot, she is teaming up with her former nemesis from Shantae 2, which is uh, Risky, and together they are doing whatever they have to do to stop some evil force, and in, that, in this case, that means Shantae can't belly dance because the evil force took that away, and instead he's using Risky's weaponry. Well, at the end of the other game, she just lost her genie powers. Oh, that's what it was. I mean, it wasn't just belly dancing. Belly dancing just transformed yeah. her into different animals, but she, she had... She lost the power at Yeah, but, 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 she, but she could, like, shoot fireball. She could do other right. magical... and she can't not. do any of that now. Yeah. She has to use Risky's weaponry, which is why they're teaming up to stop this bigger force. Um... So, it, it, I mean, Shantae's a fun game. It's like a Metro, it's like Metroidvania light, kind of. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. And this one, they're trying to really bring out the, like, exploration aspect. So, in the 3DS version, one of the things they're going to do is, you know, the touch screen at all times has, like, a map and an inventory, and it's very Metroid in that regard. And they're going to mimic that with the Wii U version on gamepad, on the game, with the gamepad. So, it's going to have literally the same two-screen setup, just a TV and a gamepad instead of the two 3DS screens. What's yeah. different... So, it really comes down to whether you want it... On a portable or on yeah, a but yeah, and what's different, and not even that, because if you're if you want to like play it on the couch, but not have to be tethered to a TV, it has off TV play. So unless you're playing outside the house, then you have to make that decision. But what the Wii U version is doing that's a little different is they're keeping the pixel art for in-game. All the in-game stuff looks the same in terms of actual in-game graphics, but the character cutouts, the cutscenes, you know, all the talking heads, all those are now full HD artwork. Straight ripped straight out from I forgot the name of the company they're working with to make the art, but they basically just plucked the PDF like the PSD files and dropped them in in total high resolution. So it's actually be nice to see in terms of visually. Um, it's actually interesting because it's kind of like a middle ground for WayForward. They uh, their previous two eShop games were My Switch Force One and My Switch Force Two. My Switch Force One they completely redid the graphics of the 3DS version in like a hand drawn HD art style. Looked pretty good. They might switch towards two based on fan feedback where they're like, we really like the pixel art. They're like, okay, so they just push the pixel yeah, art. Yeah, and just upgrade the... Yeah, and now they're trying to do like a middle ground to get both fans, fans happy. I'm, we'll see how it works. It'll be out this summer on both 3DS and Wii U, finally. Yep. It's been in the works for quite a while. And then there's Half Genie Hero, a separate Shantae game by a separate team in WayForward, which is coming later on. Yeah, which I'm just winning And for that's on Wii U as well. So, yeah. Oh, um, you brought up a good point about the whole like off-TV play. Because first I was thinking like, oh, I like... Like games of that sort to be um, portable, so. right? But it's portable. But, but because of yeah, but because of the Wii U, like and usually, we, I mean, well, yeah, we both mostly play our games like at home. Our, our handheld games at home. So definitely, guess because of that might as well just get it on the Wii U. And I mean, for yeah. that same reason, I mean, Half Genie Heroes are already going to be on the Wii U. So 
Yeah, and I was about to say, plus you get Miiverse on the Wii U, but now you get it on 3DS too. It's so yeah. weird how how much overlapping it, use cases it, 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 it kind of makes it feel like, why don't they have... Um, a hybrid console? Oh, no, no. Well, not even that. Just um, like cross-purchasing. Like, you buy one version, you get You know, IGN asked Reggie that. Because, I mean... IGN asked Reggie that very question. Where's the cross-buy? During their post-digital uh, I mean, event. Especially for interview. those games that are identical. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like, it makes no sense why they're not. It's coming, by the way. Reggie basically said, yeah, we view, like, Nintendo Network as this third platform where we go, like, you know, we have initiatives such as, like, Mario Kart TV and whatnot, but we also understand that it's what connects everything. So one day they'll talk better. But he... I think that's what he said. Something along those lines. But, um... It's a matter... It's only a matter of time. Yeah. I'm still surprised Super Mario Bros. 3 on Wii U and 3DS, which came out on the same day, didn't even offer any sort of cross-buy discount or anything. I don't know. Nintendo's seems, milking us. It seems us. like that. that it's Nintendo's hard. milking us and we're laying them. And we're enjoying it, even. I'm protecting my udders. <laughs> uh, while we're on the time, there's literally no way to go from that to this next topic, so I'm just going <laughs> to say it. Another game coming to Wii U. Well, you dig that? Yeah, I dug I dug what you had to say there. You know what else I dig? SteamWorld dig. Boom! Thank you. So SteamWorld dig was an excellent, I thought, 3DS um, kind of also, like, not even Metroidvania. It was more... Uh, Metroidvania. Res- it was a Metroidvania. I, I take know. that back. It was more resource... What's the term I'm looking for? Like, the, the genre of, like, Minecraft, or, like... Adventure. Resource, survival. Resource. Resource gathering. Game. I don't know what to call it. But SteamWorld Dig was this awesome little adventure. SteamWorld Dig, it, it definitely has some Metroidvania roots. I mean, you kind of, yeah. like, you're limited by where you can explore. You do have to retread the same ground again. You get better items. You kind of explore more. Definitely. Actually, yeah. It's Metroidvania. A, a, lot, of, a, a lot of these, like, popular games are, like... Like, has, like, a Metroidvania blueprint, like, under yeah. them. Indie games in particular really love the formula. So, yeah, it's basically, you're right. It's Metroidvania cross with Minepath. Not Minepath. Wow, <laughs> Minecraft. Minepath. Minepath. Well, you choose your life. Minepath is this excellent new telepathic game. It comes, like, you, you don't have to buy it. You just think about it, and you get it. That's all I have. But, no, SteamWorld Dig's coming to Wii U. Uh, it's been one, people have been demanding it for a while. It then came to PS4, or 3, and Vita, and it was like, Wii U, and finally, the developers at Image Inform were like, Wii yes, U. Wii U. <laughs> so, we don't know anything yet. Wii me? We, we, <laughs> we don't know anything yet, we don't know what, how to use the gamepad, we don't know how to use Miiverse, all Image Inform is saying is, it's coming this fall. use them with 3DS, I guess? Well. Why well, can't you just know that? Well, they said, what they say is they want to explore how they can best use them. Oh. And they'll look into it, and the game's not out They'll explore it, they realize what they already have was the best go, way. nope, and then just push <laughs> it out. Yeah, we already kind of... Like, maxed out the potential of this game on tool screen. <laughs> yeah, but no, it, it is a really good game. So I'm, I'm pretty excited. It's got a presumably HD update. It's probably going to match the I mean, all they could really do is just, like, add off-TV play and that's it. No, they could do stuff with Miiverse. They could do, like, a hint system. Oh. They don't need a hint system. Well, I mean, Miiverse, they, they, could, do resor- they could do resource sharing. Yeah, you collect- like, every game has Miiverse. No, 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 but, yeah. No, I mean, like, resource, mi- oh, integration. Miiverse integration. Like, oh. they could do... Imagine if they did, because the thing in this is you collect oh, resources, special. and the resources get you new items. What if you can do... What if there's a resource exchange, like a bartering system you can do with people on Miiverse? Or some sort of, like... Mm, that'd be interesting, like, maybe, like, when you're digging, there's, like, certain blocks that are, like, colored a little differently. When you break them, it, you get, like, a Miiverse stone, maybe not a Miiverse stone. Yeah, like, and then you can use those to then... get special new items that let you do different things. Or maybe they open up the flow of the game a little, so it's not always the exact same progressive path. It's Actually, it isn't already. It's randomized. The level structure is randomized. So what if they ran with that a little and switched up the exact order of items you get and everything, and then you could really forge your own path based on how you choose, what items you choose to barter from Miiverse. They could be very cool. Mm. So, I mean, the game's great. I talked about it back in episode 52, and really liked it, and still really like it. 
It's a really fun game. It has a lot of personality. It's very charming. It's a little robot that's just digging his way down in a steampunk world. He's just trying to make it in a steampunk world. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's really good. So I'm, I'm excited for the Wii U one. I don't think I'm personally going to double dip. I tend not to. But for people that have never played it, definitely, if you own a Wii U, it's definitely worth picking up. So that, that's SteamWorld Dig. Also worth mentioning, while we're on the topic of known uh, indie games, Shovel Knight's coming out June 26th. So we have finally have a launch date. So that's cool. Uh, yeah. There's nothing to say there. It's just June 26th. That's next step. By our next episode, it'll be out. Yeah, I mean, it's a highly anticipated game. So yeah. it's good that we finally have a... Solid release? Yeah, it's solid. It's happening. All it's right. happening. But the... Uh, <laughs> it's not our Armillo where it keeps getting It's like walking away and then like... Like glancing back. Yeah, looking back and it's just it's like, fading, in, fading into the abyss. Like yeah. making sure that it's still August 28th. No, June 26th. June August 28th. Where'd that come from? Uh, That's one day before Phoenix and Layton. Yes. But the they're, they're one final indie game we should mention. This is actually a new one. Unannounced until E3 when Nintendo put up a trailer kind of randomly. And that is the sequel to Gunman Clive, which is another excellent eShop game. Is it still developed by one man? Or yes, it's still developed by a single dude. As far as I know, it's a single guy named... I never can say his name right. Bertel Horberg. <laughs> <laughs> he's, I think he's Dutch, maybe? Oh, he's from Europe. That already sounds like he said it wrong. Yeah, it's B-E-R-T-I-L space H-O with an umlau R-B-E-R-G. So I'm pretty sure it's Bertel or... Yeah, Bertle. Bert. That sounds too much like a Sesame Street character, Bertle. Uh, or like a turtle named Bert. It's a Bertle. But anyway, regardless, he's making a sequel to Gunman Clive, which is another game I really like on the 3DS eShop. Um, we talked about this one way back in episode 34, which, can, if you can believe, was a few weeks after the Wii U launch. It's that long ago. But for the sequel, he's basically taking... Now, for those who haven't played it, it's like a side-scrolling Mega Man sorta-ish game where you're shooting and attacking enemies but everything was two-toned it was like a sketch yeah, it's art very style Mega Man-ish. Like, yeah you can see the roots in there but it's definitely its own game yeah it has a really cool art style where it's like sketchbook almost like the, it's sepia tone and there's like outlined sketches of the characters it's kind of just like 3d rendered sketches it's hard to describe but and then the background just like you know flat so for this one most importantly there's no color it's not just sepia tone it's rose tinted it's like mint colored it's different shades it's ocean blue like there's different colors I'm being sarcastic. It's not the big new feature. The real big new feature is how he's just going crazy with the gameplay. You can ride a panda. You can fight a giant T-Rex. There's 3D, like, horseback duels where you're, like, galloping side-by-side shooting at each other. It's not just straight-up Mega Man. And Duck Mode is back. Now, for those who have not beaten the original, it's a bit of a spoiler, but it's in the trailer, so I'm saying it. When you beat the game, you get to play through the whole thing as a duck. And it's back, and it's flushed out. And basically, that should sum up how the game had a... Like, the game was pretty straightforward, but as you progressed through the original, it got kind of this interesting personality. Like, you fight, like, a train that turned into a robot. You had duck mode. And this one, he's just going, like, I'm going crazy. I mean, riding a panda and fighting a T-Rex, that doesn't fit in whatsoever with the first one. But who cares? It's still going to be awesome. So I'm personally pretty excited for it. And if you want to learn more about what the original, check out episode 34 of the podcast. And it's good, and you have plenty of time to study up on the original or even go buy it because it's not coming out till the fall, the sequel. And uh, that's tentative. It might be even later. Yeah. And also, I uh, the nice thing about Gunman Clive 1 is it's dirt cheap. It's like 2 or 3 bucks. And it's a really good game. And I, I assume the sequel will probably stay low price, but quite frankly, if he adds a ton of content, I'm fine with paying a higher price of like 7 or 8. Which is still not that much. What? 7 or 8. Not so, which is still not which that much. Which is still much. not much, that much, but it's like a top tier eShop game at I that point. I think top tier like 14. Yeah, that's true. Like, it's it's mid range. Which is a pretty mid-range. ways away from 8. Yeah, I guess mid-range. 
So, um, so that is it in terms of E3 news. That is it in terms of our E3 coverage. The one last thing I want to touch on really briefly is just Nintendo, how this E3 went as a whole. What did you think of E3 this year? Nintendo versus the other guys. Interesting. Honestly, they look... It was different. Like, I mean, I I only watched, like, the trailers for the games I was interested in for Xbox, which only means, like, the ones that... (laughs) Which means one game. (laughs) And, like, one or two. And, um, and Sony's just... Oh, it's like long. It, oh, that one actually, Sony's kind of felt just like all the other ones, just so long. Sony's like, went on. Sony has to learn how like to cut their press, press conferences, conferences to normal. I mean, length. like it was definitely more game, more. Uh, there was, they definitely showed more games than like a lot of them were actually really interesting. They showed something like forty games, if I remember. Yeah, correctly. so I mean, it, it was like it was so interesting nonetheless. Yeah. But like just uh, sitting there, like part of it was like, oh god, just stop talking. Yeah, you know, I think. But quite, Nintendo was like, oh my god, like, they they I, nailed I, it. I had no idea what to expect, and it just like. Wow. They nailed wow. it. It's funny because on Monday of E3 after Microsoft started, I'm like, wow, there's so many sequels this year. I could so buy the book. And then Nintendo kind of did it the same. Like, we got a lot of sequels of stuff. We did get Splatoon. We did get, you know, unexpected yeah, stuff like Kirby. Yeah. yeah, but we also got a lot of sequels. And I, it's weird, though, because, like, the way Nintendo presented it, it didn't just feel like they were droning on about sequels. They were, it was very, like, quick and concise in the direct. And it was, like, funny and entertaining. And then when they did the Trials Live for the next couple of days, they really dove deep into, like, Xenoblade and... Fancy Life and code, uh, Codename Steam. And basically, it's like, it's really, I think this is the format of the future. Nintendo yeah. nailed the presentation this year. And there's no way Microsoft and Sony are not going to attempt to copy it next year. The problem to me is, part of the reason they nailed the presentation is because Treehouse Live was so good. The Treehouse team is, A, clearly very passionate about Nintendo. They're not just shells. They're not just corporate shells. B, they're all really good friends, and you can tell. And C, they're just charismatic people. So no matter how Sony Microsoft do it, they knock out the treehouse. That was fun to watch. It really felt like you were like at E3 with these people. Even when they played the hundredth match of Splatoon in a row, it was still like, oh, this is really cool. Like they're having fun. They're really getting into it. They're trash talking. Like no one's gonna do yeah, that. Yeah, like, like that bank footage of like, like, oh, look, this is like E3's clothes, but look at these oh, yeah, Nintendo like, employees that are just like these long ass lines just yeah. to play Smash Brothers. Yeah, just to, for those who haven't seen it, JC Rodrigo, who was the ref at the Smash Bros. Invitational and organized the entire Smash Bros. Invitational, that was his baby. Uh, he's a huge competitive Smash Pros fan. He, uh, I don't know why I know so much about him. He, <laughs> he posted an Instagram video right after the the show floor closed, or shortly after, of literally like 80, eight, not 80, like 40 Nintendo employees all lined up to play a competitive little Smash Bros tournament amongst themselves. Yep. And this was after a long day of standing there, manning the booth, doing yeah. Treehouse Live. And it's a testament to like how fun Smash Bros. is and like, yeah. how much they love like, to play these games. And I think just like the thing that Nintendo did this year that was so great is they just had fun. Yeah. Like Microsoft and Sony were so like stuffy and like, you know, every press conference was like, look, this guy's getting stabbed in the neck again, which I said to you on the last podcast two days ago, but Nintendo was clearly like, hey guys, remember when video games were just like fun? Like sure, we can have a shooter, it doesn't have to be violent, just use paint, whatever. Yeah, like, they poked fun at themselves. Yeah, they made fun of fans in a charming way that didn't like offend anyone. They made fun, you know, where's Mother Three? They made fun of yeah, like, themselves. Yeah, they were essentially like, they were like hey, just shut up. But yeah, still, yeah, yeah. And they made fun of themselves, and they just had such a good constant. Like they spread out the the announcement so perfectly that like every day the most talked about thing was going to be Nintendo. Whether whether you know, because Microsoft was on Monday, Sony was on Monday, Ubisoft, EA all Monday, but Nintendo's like, hey, okay. Here's rapid fire announcements on Tuesday. Oh, you want more? Here's two hours of Smash Bros. Oh, you want more? Here's Codename Steam. Oh, you want more? Here's the Kids Corner stuff. And interspersed between all of that, they had so much in-depth gameplay that they you can't possibly properly show in a press conference. There's no way to show Xenoblade in a press conference without people going, okay. 
That's yeah. Xenoblade. Like this one, people minus the creepy faces, not minus the porcelain, really bad looking faces we talked about last episode. They were really able to show what's great about Xenoblade and how it's like, look at this, you have mechs here. There's Neo Los Angeles as this crazy city on this planet. Like it's, it was really cool. Yeah, I think it also just like reinforced like how much like they're actually listening and paying attention to the internet. Like, yeah. wow. Like, I mean, like those, like the dust there, like they like really knew like this new thing that just kind of appeared out of nowhere and then like it still made its way to the conference. Like, yeah. Like a, a lot of people like and they knew how a to, lot of people really want like we're asking for this um, Captain Toad game and we got that like yep and they knew how to not milk something in the sense that Luigi Destiny could have, remember when they drilled my body is ready into the ground they said like Reggie's say like every event for like a year this time Luigi Destiny didn't even acknowledge it by yeah. name they just Mario Kart cut to Destiny. Yeah, like they could have. It totally could have been any footage. Yeah, they could have just put the title of Mario Kart just like the logo like Mario Kart Eight. But yeah. they just put that like that three second clip of Luigi. They didn't really acknowledge it. They just like put it there. And of course, the internet went. Yeah, they're like, oh, we know, like, we know what that's all about. Yeah, it's it's great. They they are totally finally. This is the one of the first times I've ever said this. The company as a whole is finally in tune with its fans. They seemed um, and they seem very confident. Yeah, I don't know. It's funny because like they seem um like they have a better handle handle of like how to use um the e like the timeline e three better yeah. than the other people. Oh, totally. Like, and so even though, like, they're behind a lot of other aspects that they have to really work on. Yeah. Like, it seems like they got this down, like... They nailed the yeah. whole community aspect of, of the video game industry. And what's interesting is, like, last year they tried this. And, you know, you could tell they were finding their footing and figuring out what works and doesn't. It was roughly the same format, just not as well done. But this year they were just, like, they, they killed it. I was really impressed. And as someone who's been following Nintendo for such a long time and who has interacted with Nintendo on so many different, like levels you know being a moderator for nintendo.com being hand chosen as the sage which means basically they know i'm a big fan that was always like yes there's this group within nintendo of america who knows who we are and appreciates us and send us stuff and you know like reggie and whatnot signed off on all that and that's cool but like the fact that the whole company as a unified thing not just the employees but the company as a thing is now this in tune of fans and the treehouse being able to finally show its face and actually like become like mini nintendo celebrities a la Reggie or whatever, it's super cool. It's it, 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 I'm I'm very happy with this. I don't know if I've had if there's been a better handled E3 by Nintendo ever. They've had bigger years in terms of games, like when the Wii in 2016. Yeah, like just like announced like the caliber of announcement. I mean, like they didn't have any new like yeah. hardware to announce. They right. just games, so right. But they handled it so well that I'd say just in terms of presentation and keeping us abreast information and just getting us hyped, it it was as if they just announced a new console. Like, they nailed it. So, props to Nintendo. Props to every, everyone at the Treehouse. Um, this was an awesome E3. I'm very... It killed us, personally. I was working on this... When I, I I didn't take off work except for the Invitational. So, every night after work, I'd be working on stuff for site, podcast, article, this, that, and next thing. So, it kind of killed us. But I can't imagine what it was like for them, where they poured their heart and soul into that pre- to, you know, the presentation and the three days straight of streaming. It must have been absolutely insane. I just realized we've been... We were in line... For over like six, almost sixteen hours over the course of last week, yeah. yeah. But and almost we were only 18. able to do that because Nintendo gets their fans yeah. and is able to do events. Even Smash would, Fest, we at the top of the show we complained about Smash Fest yeah, like, and how bad it was handled. But you know what? I don't see Microsoft and Sony doing anything like yeah, that. Yeah, that's what I like. Even though like I'm thinking about like, wow, that was a long time in line. But I'm like, wait, but it was totally worth if, it. If it wasn't for like Nintendo, like only Nintendo could make me do that like yeah like, that, like I, it's, such, it's so stupid like that we did that but like it's so great that we got to yeah like, yeah. I, like I don't regret it now but and to the wow, other like, yeah oh. and to the other guys credit 
last year, Microsoft did something at the Microsoft Store in here, here in LA. We got to try the Xbox One a little early. That was to their credit, that was really cool. This year, Sony did the uh, watch the press conference in a movie theater, and then you walk out with some free swag. That's um, pretty cool. Yeah, some free swag and a couple of beta and alpha Definitely build Definitely was the movie access. length. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So like that was cool. What they did was one things, but I feel like Nintendo is the only one that was really like nonstop, total like all encompassing three day. It was like a three day Nintendo holiday. Yeah. Like, and there's like, I'm not even kidding. There's like an, when E3 came to close, there's like, I had like a weird emptiness. Like, oh, I can't watch Treehouse Live or listen to it while at work, or I can't like, because I did that. I had it streaming just in my headphone. Couldn't see what was going on, but it was, it was insightful to hear at least. Um, there, yeah, it's Nintendo killed it. I know I keep saying that, but I was really blown away. So, KO. So, yeah, so with that, TKO in this case. So with that, um, that does it for our coverage of E3, at least our formal coverage. Uh, thank you for listening to our double whammy of podcasts. If you have not listened to episode 72 yet, I strongly recommend going to do so because there's so much to talk about on the Wii U front. We really didn't touch on it too much here, but there's a lot. Um, we also have more content coming. e is just the start of a summer of great content around Nintendo. God, that sounds so marketing pitchy, but it is. We have the Plain Nintendo Tour that we're going to be covering soon. We have Comic-Con next month. We have the launch of some sort of video thing that I'm not going to go into detail about, but keep an eye out for. It's going to be a busy summer around Nintendo, and the easiest way to make sure you don't miss any of it is, of course, follow us on Twitter, at Nintendo. Subscribe to us on iTunes. Uh, you can follow me and Jose individually for our thoughts on games, our thoughts on what's going on in the industry, and just updates on what's going on on the site. I'm JSR7. He's Wero, W-E-I-R-O underscore O. Similarly, on Miiverse, we'd love to play a game against you. We'd love to friend follow. I'm Jason R on there. Jose is Wero, still Wero, W-E-I-R-O underscore O. And, yeah, we, we should do a Mario Kart tournament sometime. We'll tweet out the details, but maybe, like, an E3 cool-down Mario Kart tournament. So keep an eye out for that at Ram Nintendo. Also, don't miss our next episode, which will be back on our usual schedule. So we'll be back on the 29th of June. And we're going to have a lot. It's going to be a big, a big post-E3 episode. We're going to have Tomodachi Life Full Impressions. I've, I've been playing it, and it's totally wacky and whimsical and wonderful. Um, we're going to have Scram Kane's Buy on Rails Impressions. Uh, that's a Wii U eShop game that's really unlike any other, so Jose will be talking all about that. Plus, a ton of E3 news scraps from interviews and things that the press didn't get a chance to really cover until after the show, so we'll go through the big ones. And Nintendo's financial briefing coming up at the end of June, so if the timing works out, we'll be covering that one too. And if not next episode, then definitely the one after. So again, thanks for sticking with us for all our E3 coverage. If you missed anything, go to Ramtown.com to check out our Smash Bros. Invitational coverage, what it was like to be there in person, episode 72, or even if you want to look at what the convention center looked like as they're saying it up, we have that too, all at Ramtown.com. Thanks again for listening. We'll see you guys in two weeks as summer marches on. Yeah.